0: Coming up on episode 54 of Pixel Guide We can't quite remember what that game is called. New Nintendo Switch rumors. Both good and bad Amico news. Tim talks classic racing game memories. Cody introduces how to play pinball. We battle two futuristic racers. There's an amazing new master system game to play. A free Amica title worth picking up. Great news for Atari Lynx owners.
1: One. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to Pixel
0: Featuring Cody, Eric, and Tim Drew. Now here are your hosts, Eric Nelson. And Corey
1: Hoffman,
0: <laughs> Mister Eric Nelson, happy Mario Day! Almost, almost. Or by the time people listen to this show, it'll be five days ago. But that's March 10th is upon us. That's right. And some terrible people who make dis- make decisions about which special days are abound decide March 10th is Mario Day. C- correct. <laughs> Correct. There's a day for everything that kills me. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be a little curmudgeonly. Uh, all these things I see online that people get into, like um, uh, Septandy and what is that? Mac and what is it? Mac and February? What is, what is uh, it? I, I, Marchintosh. March- mar- oh, Okay.
2: Yeah, I hadn't seen that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> Every month has some like computer or video game system you're supposed to like play that. Like, let me right. do what I want to do. Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's fun. So enjoy all anyways uh if you came here for rants there you go (laughs) now for the rest of the show here's what
2: really grinds my gears
0: (laughs) grinds my gears uh this is pixel guide and your number one place for all things retro and retro inspired i'm your host cody hoffman and to my uh 11 o'clock Eric Nelson Eric Nelson And Eric Yeah You are in person again
2: Yep We are back in person Numbers are going down Everything's looking better So we decided to make it easy on ourselves And
0: do it live Oh I thought we agreed we both got vaccinated first. <laughs> I, I wish <laughs> We'll get there
2: I'm gonna be the last on the list I have a feeling
0: <laughs> Well um, Nothing too special about March, except for Mario Day, so let's just go ahead and jump on into...
2: How do you say it? Quick questions.
1: Quick questions.
0: So, I have a quick question for you, Eric, and this is one that we also asked to all of our Discord members. Yeah. Uh, If you guys want to join our Discord server, which we share with the Amigos Network, with Rob Flack O'Hara, and The Brent, and Aaron, and boat and all those guys um later on here in just a second we'll give you our show information you can do that by uh joining up on patreon but the question we asked everybody is are there any games you remember from the past but have not been able to figure out what the game was called and you yearn to play it eric
2: and I yearn to play you yearn. Huh? Well, I might have to mutate your question a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay. So I have two, and they're both Commodore sixty four games, and I already figured them out. But I did go I did go years without remembering which ones they were. Okay. Yeah. And finally, after extensive research, I figured them both out. There you go. One Good. was a game I pirated as a kid, and I I, I played it. And I wouldn't even say I really loved the game itself, but the music was fantastic. And it turned out I found out it was by uh, Rob Hubbard. Of course it was. Of course. And the game was fun, but it has multiple modes. And uh, so the first one is more like a little platformer. And then the the second one is like a different kind of game. So it was one of those kind of variety games. And forever, all I could remember is you were a monkey. (laughs) And you were chasing bananas in the beginning. And then I literally couldn't remember the other um the other modes. So for years I figured it out and finally I found out it was the human race.
0: Oh, okay. I actually heard of it. It was by
2: Mastertronic and you it's like evolution. Like you start off as a monkey and then you start then there's a the one with the Neanderthal where you're like running up screen almost like a vertical shooter.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And there's
2: a bunch of different modes and I couldn't I for the life of me I couldn't remember that for a long time.
0: Did you find it just by randomly finding it one day? You I had an yeah. aha moment.
2: It, it was like an aha moment. Like, I think someone either tweeted about it or I came across a website that had it on there. And when
0: you played it again, was it everything you remembered?
2: It, yeah, I, I played it again, and I was all excited. It really, especially the first level, not very good. And it's a, very, it's a pretty bad, it's a pretty hard game, too. Like, everything in it is pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, and then I I had a second one, but I don't remember it. What, what are yours?
0: Well, let's go ahead and go to our listeners real okay. quick. So we got a few uh, listeners that called in. First of all, as we just mentioned, Flack, Rob O'Hara. Yeah. Uh, He says, One of the first Amiga games I ever saw was a PD version of Asteroids that used rotating uh, (laughs) geometric geometric (laughs) shapes, like cubes instead of Asteroids. Never been able to figure out what that game was. Also on our TRS-80, my dad used to play a Star Trek-like game where you moved through different quadrants and fired your phasers and torpedoes at Klingons. My dad would love to play that game again, but unfortunately... Oh, he's trying to find it for his dad. It was written in BASIC, and there's a million games that are similar. Um, So anyways, he said it's been 40 years, so he's wondering that even if they did find the right version, would they remember it correctly?
2: (laughs) Right, and back then, everyone wrote a Star Trek game where you were flying around in quadrants and shooting Klingons. Because it was like turn-based. So it's not like an arcade game. It's turn-based. Like, you go you go warp three, so you move three spaces. And yeah, then yeah, yeah.
0: It's like you, a programming game almost.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, everybody wrote a game, a clone like that of yeah. that Star Trek game. Yeah.
0: What a weird niche that got popular yep. like that. Yep. Um, pardon me, call me. Paint me stupid, Eric. What's a PD version of Asteroids? What's PD mean? Public domain. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. There you go. See? Yep. So both of these are games that were public domain that just got lost in the ether, which I totally get. Yep. Uh, Lord Soup wrote in and said Not quite an answer to your question Cody But related I feel I spent over 30 years looking for a CPC game That would be the Amstrad CPC Microcomputer over there in England uh, That I couldn't remember the name uh, Of for that Oh he had it as a kid He had a blast with it Uh, I borrowed it off of one of the CPC owning kids at school Never to see or hear of it again after returning it It's called Satellite Warrior So he did find it Uh, It's a spaceship dueling game, and he recently tracked it down, and it kicked his backside. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Barkbit wrote to us, I remember I had a fun PD game. Okay, so apparently I'm the only one not in the know. A fun PD game on my Amiga featuring Ronald McDonald. It was a simple single-screen game, but I've never seen it since the 90s.
2: And when you think a Ronald McDonald game would be pretty prominent, like, you know, you'd figure it out, but I I think...
0: Public domain is the key
2: here. It was so, like, the world was so flooded with public domain games that there was like 17 clones of Galaga and 14 clones of Pac-Man, you know what I mean?
0: And 23 clones of Ronald McDonald, whatever that means. Exactly. Um, Josh Malone said he eventually figured it out as well, but he spent way too much time trying to find Gemstone Warrior Mm. on the Atari 8-bit. I had only the most vague memories of it, but remembered thinking it was an awesome game as a kid. I don't know that game, so cool, cool. And I'm going to have to, next time I fire up the Atari at 800XL, I'll have to give that a shot. Yeah. And then just minutes before you walked in the door, Eric, I saw this, Jason yeah. Warren sent <laughs> one in. I have one that has been evading me ever since I had my Amiga back in the day. It was a strategy game set in ancient China, similar to Genghis Khan, but it wasn't Genghis Khan. <laughs> he said, I'll be... Uh, hornswoggled. He's <laughs> a different word, but Hornswoggled. If I can figure out what it was, but I didn't enjoy playing it, whatever it was. Hmm. So if anybody, any of our listeners can uh, email us, uh, again, show, show information coming up here shortly, or tweet us, or if you're on the Discord, let us know if you know what that game might have been. Right on. See, we want to help the community, Eric. That's right. We're not just here to to self What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> <laughs> the, words, the words I'm looking for are correct, but they just sound weird, and I don't want to use it. But basically, <laughs> we don't. We're not just here to entertain each other. We're here for the community, Eric. Um, so, Eric, my game. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about it, and there's a bunch of them, and actually, one of them I thought of what was that game we talked about, which potentially playing here shortly, Marathon. Oh, on the Mac. Yeah, but I did a lot of Mac gaming um, growing up, and there's one game in particular, also a it was a shareware game, not not PD, not public domain. And this would have been later in the Mac. This just would be a color Mac game. Um, and there was one I figured out recently as well called Maelstrom, which was uh, Asteroids clone. Yeah. So right. I really want to pull out my Mac uh, LC over here and try that again. And then there was another one, and I can't remember the name of it, and you were either like a red or a blue, like, magician. And I remember it was like a RPG, almost kind of like... Um, but it wasn't RPG. I, don't, I I can't even remember quite the gameplay, but I just remember bright colors. It was like an action RPG kind of thing, almost like Doom, but it was actually action, not point and click. And I just remember like orbs bouncing around. Um, and I just remember loving that thing. And it was a shareware game, so I would play it for like an hour and beat that level, and I'd just keep doing that, because that's all there was to play. Yeah. So... That would be my game. If anyone knows what the heck that was, by my <laughs> vague description. That's kind of part of it, though. You have a weird, vague description, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> kind of like, it was like a China Genghis Khan, but not Genghis Khan game.
2: <laughs> that other Chinese that uh, other <laughs> dictator dude or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Genghis was a uh, Mongolian, right?
2: That's, that's right, he was.
0: But All right, Eric, you got one for us, too, here.
2: Yes, I do. And this is based on a rumor, so we'll have to talk about the rumor a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I have some information up here to help us out.
2: Any interest in upgrading to the rumored Super Nintendo Switch, which I think is an awesome name, because they were going to yeah. call it, you know, the, they weren't, no, I should, shouldn't say that. There was rumor that it was going to be called the Nintendo Switch Pro. You know, no Nintendo never said that, um, but now it looks like it's going to be called the Super Nintendo Switch, which I think is cool. Um, but any interest in upgrading to the rumored, based on the predicted upgrades, like like uh, the predicted tech specs of what it's going to be allegedly?
0: So you sent me this link because I had not heard of this rumor yet. Okay, because it's uh, supposed
2: to come out this year. By the way, the rumor, the rumor again has it. It's twenty twenty. Rumors
0: really ha- usually have some truth to it. Mm-hmm. If they called it a Super Nintendo Switch, I think that's a good move. I don't think they will. Oh, you N- don't? I, Nintendo usually does something more. More uh, sub, what's the word I'm looking for? Less exciting.
2: Okay. Uh, they like might call Wii it like Nintendo the Nintendo Switch, U. Plus, exactly, <laughs> or yeah. the
0: DS and then DS Lite or DS. Yeah. Uh, what's the other DS? The DS. Three DS. No, that, well, that's a whole different system, right? Yeah. See, that's even also very similar. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if they call it like the yeah the Nintendo Switch Plus. Gotcha. Or something. Anyways, um, so here it is. is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you know all the features off the top of your head.
2: One of them is going to be a bigger screen in handheld mode. So it's going to go probably further out to the edges, less bezel and bigger. Just frankly, a bigger screen.
0: Yeah, it says the current model is 6.2 and it's uh, rumored to be going to a 7-inch display. However, the part that's exciting to me is instead of LCD, it will now be OLED.
2: Which is pretty awesome. OLED is gorgeous. Yeah. So that would be amazing. Um, Another The... Uh, it will be um, 4K so when you do dock it it will be 4K with uh, um, I think it's going to be 1080p in handheld mode like in in, you know how the the switch switches now Mm -hmm. it's 1080p on the screen it's 720 when it's in handheld mode I think it's supposed to be the rumor has it it's supposed to be now 1080 when when in handheld or something like that I don't know again it's a rumor so any of this could change um, but I guess my, the gist of my question is, is it enough to make you change? Is it enough to make you go? Uh, one other thing I want to th- throw into the works here, the wrench into the works, is that rumor also has it that there will be Super Nintendo Switch exclusives. Meaning they won't won't run on the... Well, I'm sure they're going
0: to update the the processor and stuff, too. So it'll be more powerful. In fact, it has to be for them to do 1080p and and such.
2: And and they they explained it, I think, in this article somewhere, that it it will be a faster processor and, I think, more memory and all that stuff.
0: I mean, we have to see what the thing is. With just what I'm seeing here... Yeah. I I mean, I'm happy with my Switch. Yeah, me too. Um, (coughs) Bigger display would be nice. Uh, The Switch, what's cool about the Switch is I... Other handhelds have a very small screen. I just find myself never playing them. Yeah. The um, Twitch I can play in handheld mode because the screen is big enough to like get a full experience out of it. Um, seven inch would be better. The OLED would be better. I think eventually I'd want to get one, but definitely not like a launch thing. Yeah. I wish they had, they made an actual D pad on this controller.
2: And maybe they will in the new one. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That
0: would help push me in that direction. Um, and then if you could make the the controllers so they don't have drift. That would be a plus.
2: <laughs> that would be handy. That would be good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So yeah, from what they show now, I mean I'm I don't need to upgrade.
2: Yeah, I mean what I don't what I don't like, all this is good stuff, but mm-hmm. what I don't like when I heard that there might be exclusives, because even with the with the PlayStation and the Xbox, you could still get the game and it will run just crappier on the older ones and better on the newer ones. Mm-hmm. But there weren't, as far as I know, there weren't exclusives for the pro versions of those.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, yeah.
2: Um, I, so, I don't know. I think that would be kind of, that would kind of almost make me angry, not happy. Well, Nintendo does that. Yeah, they like true. to
0: They like to give you a bunch of things that make you happy <laughs> and then kick you in the, <laughs> what's the word I used a second ago? <laughs> um, horn swoggled. Yeah. Anyways. So. I don't know. I'm not blown away by it, but I don't need to be.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love my Switch. I do, and I, I, there's nothing. I don't have too many complaints other than the drifting controller <laughs> and the D-pad, which I solved with those hoary uh, Split Pad Pro controllers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't need them to work as bat with batteries in them, you know, wirelessly. I, I don't need that, so I'm all set. But
0: I just want that for my flip grip, so I can use vertical games.
2: Yeah, but, the... but now with something we'll be talking about, it almost doesn't... Still can't do
0: that on in the handheld mode, though. Yeah, but... that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Alright, well, that is it for quick questions. Let's go ahead and give a little bit of show information, and then we can dig right into the meat of the show.
2: Which should be beer, right? Which, well, yeah, we'll do some <laughs> beer. We'll do some beer. <laughs> right on. So, if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at... The project, Duh project, D U H project. You can reach the show at at Pixel underscore Guiden. Can reach Cody at, at Oddball, which is O D D B A one one four nine. You can reach Tim at Sanction, at S A N X I O N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden dot com, and we do encourage feedback.
0: We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the three dollar or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide. And using our random adjective generator. And this week, let's check out what's going on at our local supermarket. Hello, pick smart shoppers. On behalf of our jubilant store manager, Gary Heather, we would like to welcome you to a world of savings. (coughs) Summer is coming up, so you will want to take advantage of some of our summertime savings. Right now, if you buy a 10-pack of Dustin Newell, you will get a free 8-pack of Matthew Ackerman. I don't understand why those don't just both come in 10-packs, but... In order to ensure that you have a great grilling time, please note that we also have 20% off all condiments, including a bottle of Daniel James, Josh Malone, and Eric Sandgren. And now that you've built up a thirst, please note that we also have deals on all of our six packs of David Vincent and 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast, as well as two liter bottles of David Modalek and Roy Feeling brand beverages. And I'm sorry, I, I apologize for the interruption. Um, Mr. Toast, we need a cleanup on aisle 12. We had another uh, Team Grey all-the-way incident, if you know what I mean. At this time, we'd like to recognize our employee of the month, Mache Sosnowski. Your hard work has been much appreciated, and you always serve our customers with a smile. As a special thanks from us to you, you will be allowed to use the Employee of the Month parking spot, and you will also receive a $15 Paradroid gift card. We would love to ask our customers to check out the end cap on aisle 7. There you will find deliciously cold ant stiller pops, burning hot Mitsuyama wings, and tasty bags of Ramo K. now in new Hermski flavor. We also now offer Citizen by the bushel. Thank you for your attention, and we appreciate you choosing Picksmart. Yeah! Thanks again to our Patreons. I'd shop there. I do shop there, Picksmart. (laughs) Picksmart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eric, let's do the beer.
2: Please. Thank goodness. So, first
0: of all, what do you have in front of you here? Because we... um, We talked about them in the last episode, but you have not seen them yet since you have not physically been to my house.
2: That's right. This is the ten the ten mark mugs, the Doug, the Doug mugs that he sent us as a little gift last month, right?
0: Along with a whole bunch of Galaga stuff. Uh,
2: yeah, I just got the socks, which I, just... yeah,
0: I got you the, your socks, so that's good. So we got some frosty Doug mugs. Yes. Um. See, see, I told you they're really heavy at the bottom and which wide, is, so which we is can't amazing. spill
2: on the, on our electronics. That is amazing. All right, which one? What beer you want to try first? You want to do one of yours? We can do one of mine, yep. Which one? Th- let's start with one of mine. I don't even care which one. Let's do the track seven. There we go. Local brewery. Yep. I drive by there every day. Every day? Well, every... Well, twice a week. What am I saying? I don't even know what I'm saying. And I haven't You're a liar. To drink yet.
0: Listen to that delicious, foamy goodness. So... I was really pleased that this time, for the first time in a long time, I bought two six packs of beer. Yeah, for less than I would normally pay for like one entire four pack of right. Tallboy. boy right. hazies.
2: <laughs> yeah, those Tallboys get expensive.
0: <laughs> now I was at the uh, I was at the store, and I feel bad for you because you're not a huge hazy fan. I'm not, and that's like all there is now. That's all there I is. I love it.
2: No, and when, when 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 my wife and I go to sh- beer shopping, we will come to the aisle where there's ipas and stuff and it's just all hazies Mm -hmm. some juicies and that's it like like that's all there is there'll be a whole wall of it
0: i'm just glad that it's something i'm into this time because yeah it used to be like west coast ipas and i was just like gosh darn it give me the good beer yeah all right well let's go ahead and cheers we'll talk about what this is while we drink how about that yep cheers cheers
2: Mm Hmm.
0: yes so, as you said, it is a Track 7 Brewing Company beer. Yep. It is called Beeline. B-E-E, line. It's a nice black can with like a little honeycomb, uh, almost almost looks like Don Patchy.
2: Yeah, their cans have changed. This is their latest uh, kind of graphics they've used on their cans. They've gone through some iterations on that.
0: Looks good, looks good. But it is a Honey Blondale. Ale. Yep. Which is a delicious beer. Yes. And it's interesting because even though they don't call it a honey blonde ale. Right. So it was 805.
2: That is true. And this is a 5.2 alcohol and like um this is a brewery that I drive by on the way to a client twice a week, so I always cruise by there and see it and they they're they're expanding their line. They have a lot of different beers now. I just bought one for home that I have there right now. It's a, a peanut butter porter.
0: You've been into those peanut butter
2: porters. I, I love them, but I, I'm going to say the name, but it's uh, it's called Nuckin' Futs. Yes. Yeah, have, have we had that on the show? We haven't,
0: but I have seen that one. Yeah. And you said it correctly, so I don't have to edit anything. Exactly.
2: And uh, it's a peanut butter <laughs> porter, but it is delicious. I bought a six pack of it, and you're right; it was it's nice to have reasonably priced brewskis from a local brewery. Yeah. So. Yep.
0: Well, this one is light. Yep, and it's it's got a heavy honey profile.
2: That's right, and I will give. A, I mean, I will say I've had this one before. I, it, like I think this was a beer I bought a lot last summer.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: it's a nice summer beer.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, we I figured we're already moving through spring now. Yeah, heading towards summer, but I'm bummed because I felt like we were just getting into, into porter time of year.
2: That's porter right. stout
0: time of year, <laughs> and how's, we're already done with that somehow. That's right. Like, that went quick. There was none of that available. No. Nope all right this is a good one all right eric um since i brought this can you can r- pick your rating okay uh line. so it's got to do something uh so stink we'll just do stingers sure okay we'll make it we'll make it simple no ah ah what out of i got it <laughs> <laughs> out of um i just turned 38 okay my birthday was last last week, which we'll get a little into that. I got a couple little presents to talk about. Excellent. So out of uh, thirty eight Winnie the Pooh's with no pants on, <laughs> what do you give this?
2: Out of wow, out of thirty eight Winnie the Poohs with no pants. No pants, yeah.
0: Which is just I could just say Winnie the Pooh, but I wanna be specific.
2: I'm gonna g i am going to I like this one a lot. I'm gonna give it a thirty two. Thirty two. Okay. Thirty two out of thirty eight. That's pretty high.
0: Yeah, just I I think it's I agree. I'm I'm gonna put it right around there as well. Um flavorful.
2: I mean it's not a it's not a bland ale, a, bl- a bland blonde ale. It's yeah, but if I
0: bought, f- I could drink a whole six pack of this. Yeah. I could just sit there and drink it all day.
2: That's not a bad thing. No. That's a great thing. If it's,
0: it's a very drinkable it is. ale. Very drinkable. Thirty two as well.
2: <laughs> wow We agree. <laughs> Perfect. Then,
0: and we'll even put a, a stimpy in there.
2: Oh joy. Good. Good stuff. That
1: is right. excellent.
0: So before we move on, I have to go quickly over uh, feedback in errata. Okay. So as we said in the information just a second ago, we'd love for you to get a hold of us. Tell us what we did to screw up. <laughs> Tell us how we made you angry. But be nice about it. Or be nice, it. nice and let us uh, let us know what we did well. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything nice. you want us to cover. I don't know. Just reach out to us. We want to hear from y'all. Um, a couple quick things. I caught one. I discussed... Um, a game we had played, or uh, we were talking about games, and we were talking about Strider. Yeah. And I had mentioned on the NES there was a terrible Strider game. Right. And I discussed it. Now, there was a game on the NES, but I was talking about Strider. I I thought it was called Strider 2048. Okay. I mixed it up. There's Street Fighter 2048, which has nothing to do with Street Fighter. Yeah. But there is a version of Strider, which I did play. It's just not called 2048. So, clearing that up. Okay. Let me uh, check that off the... Check you're, that off the board. You're
2: self-correcting.
0: Yes. Um, on our Discord, we have a, a gentleman there by the name of Curtis Boyle.
2: Curtis Boyle.
0: And this guy is um, our our friend with all the cocoa answers. And
2: I think he's L Curtis Boyle. L
0: There's Curtis. An L Boyle.
2: initial before that. L Curtis Boyle. Okay.
0: <laughs> is that like Lil Wayne? It's <laughs> like Lil Curtis Boyle. <laughs> I don't maybe. Uh, I, mean, I need my hip hop track again. Oh wait. Lil Curtis Boyle. <laughs> In the
2: house.
0: <laughs> you 2021. Know, you know we're talking about that Tandy, that Radio Shack. <laughs> we're getting down with the eight bits, Coco. <laughs> hey! Hey! Scr- record scratch. Anyways, Curtis Boyle. Yeah. Who is obviously from the inner city. <laughs> um. He is our expert on the Cocoa computers, and he he pointed out a correction, which is good to know, because I've I, literally more than half my knowledge has now come from Curtis Boyle when it comes to the Cocoa computers. Right. He said, it is still an 8-bit 6809 machine. Not a 16-bit, like we were saying. Yeah. At least I was saying. I don't know. Uh, it runs twice as fast, 1.78 megahertz versus .895 megahertz, and has an upgrade graphics interrupt chip, but it's still 8-bit. It says the 6809 has 8-bit data bus but some internal 16-bit registers similar to an 8088. Oh, I just what happened Eric? I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I passed out there for a second. I got uh, overloaded with information. Uh, he just spouts this stuff. But he dropped the knowledge. He did drop the knowledge. So it's kind of it's less 16-bit than even my Turbo Graphics. Right. Realistically. Yeah. Which makes sense, because it doesn't look like a 16-bit to me, but a lot of people throw it out there as a 16-bit. I've heard and, that.
2: and the games look, some of the games look really good, almost like they could be 16-bit level, so. Um, now, your Cocoa, 3, your, your Cocoa 3 is upgraded something, right?
0: My Cocoa 3 has um, an original from back in the day, 512 upgrade, with all the little RAM chips all over it. Like, gotcha. tons of them.
2: Because I have the memory upgrade, but I did not do the processor upgrade.
0: Correct. And I'm thinking about doing the Mm -hmm. processor, um, which he told us how to get a hold of the guy and and get that processor. So I want to do it just to do it.
2: I'm going to do a little research, because if there's two games that support it, I I, I don't want to do it. I'll
0: do it just to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get one coming anyways. You might as well just buy one on top of it. Let me pay for shipping.
2: Yeah, maybe I'll do that.
0: Alexisms reached out to us again. Yeah. Um... We were talking about well, we did a game show in which Tim had us, uh, He mentioned games. What's it called? Games Master TV, which is being rebooted, right? That's right. In the UK, he said this was genuinely br- brilliant back in the day. The link below is to the first episode of series seven or se- season seven to you, Americans. I feel the love there. Yeah, uh, the first couple of minutes shows how innuendo filled the show was over the heads of kids, but rather great for adults like me. The show was uh, shown at six thirty. Once per week so I did watch a good half of this show so far I want to watch the rest of it but yeah um, it, it's it's funny to me because I don't know who the audience is yeah it's is like it? you've got uh, and they weren't even kids they were like t- early 20s playing video games against each other yeah while some other guy is talking to you as if you're a kid mm-hmm. about the games but then throwing in like really kind of um non PC nowadays comments yep. about Laura Croft and like right <laughs> His assistants who are sitting there in bikinis. It almost reminds me of like the um, the uh, what's the uh, Telemundo shows.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know what I'm talking about. I do right? know what you're talking All about. Right. Yeah. Well, if listen, there's no Telemundo, they know what I'm talking about. But there'll be a talk show where guys are just sitting there in business suits, and for no reason whatsoever, there's a woman in a bikini, like in a little like play pool, just playing around. Right. Just just to have her there while you talk about stuff in business suits. Yep. Anyways, uh, it looks it does look fun. I think I'm gonna try to watch a few of these.
2: I might do that, too. There was another show in the UK that was... Um, or was it in the UK? Yeah, I think it was. And it had three women, and it was kind of a comedy. They would do little comedy sketches, but it was also... it's a It was a games... Like a video games show, and... I can't remember the name of it now, but I watched a couple episodes on YouTube of that. It was pretty good.
0: See, it's funny to me, because I remember when I was a kid, there was only a few of those things. Like, Nick. what was it, Nick Arcade on Nickelodeon? Yep. And I remember all these shows, I'm like... Stop giving me all this garbage, like, stop acting things out, stop having games, like, just, can you literally just put up a game for, like, a minute of gameplay so I can look at it? Like, that's all I want. Yeah. Like, hey, look at this game. It's a new game called Darkwing Duck on the NES.
2: Or even a review. And then just go
0: quiet and let me just watch yeah. it for like a minute. Like, I mean, And then do another game. Just keep doing that. I'll be happy. That's what I want. I want to see footage.
2: I think it would be cool if they like what YouTube did now where there's like thousands of people on there doing little game reviews where they're oh, yeah. talking about it and playing the game. But had that happened in the 80s on TV, that would have been amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, they yeah. put all this money in sponsorship and what do the kids want? What we want is footage of the game so we can be get excited about them that's what we want yeah exactly. anyways anyways apparently this guy was all into uh, alex here was all into the uh, the adult takes on it so <laughs> right you know, he wasn't looking for that gameplay footage um eric we're all caught up with our errata and feedback we have our beers yep the only thing i haven't heard yet is the news <laughs>
2: These Doug mugs are working out really well Aren't they? Yeah, because you can't tip them over They're like weeble <laughs> wobbles, do you remember know them? <laughs> they don't fall down? Yeah, you, you, can not, you can hit them, but they don't fall down mm-hmm. Good stuff They
0: mm. make the beer taste better too, Doug
2: Yeah Alright, so you're up first You have the first item of news
0: Well, the Aminko announced a couple of exciting things And as they like to do one not so exciting thing <laughs> <laughs>
2: They like to mix the good with the bad <laughs> They really do He's
0: <laughs> like, hey, good news uh, they announced that 30% of the games that are going to uh, come out on the Amico, mm-hmm. roughly 30% of them will be available physical for 19.99, which is really cool because like the evercade we've been collecting for and stuff, they're yeah. all 19.99, packaged and pretty. Yeah. I'll buy them physical all day long. Right. Of course the um the digital ones are still going to be uh 9.99 and less. Okay. Every game will be 9.99 and less. I think most of them they're trying to hit 7.99. Um, so it was the first item, and then they said, "Hey, we're going to push back the release date like another ten months." Oh, also a new <laughs> game, <laughs> right? So yeah, they absolutely. Uh, if you if you didn't catch that, Eric, which kind of they did, they did, yeah, they're going to miss their second date. But everything's, you know, whatever. I I don't. It's so it's
2: now October, right? It's in
0: October again. Yeah. It's back to the original release date in October, but a year later. Right. Whatever. I expected it the whole time, honestly. So what? I'm. Of course, I want it now. But, yeah. anyways,
2: I was pretty excited when I remember the beginning of the year started, and I was like, "Well, it's January. We only have like a few more months, like a couple more months till we get the Amico, because it was supposed to be April, right?" I'm like
0: I've heard nothing. No, that's probably not right. Yeah,
2: something's not right here.
0: Oh. Um, so another couple things they announced. Uh, they showed footage of a new game, Finnegan Fox, which they've talked about, which is a cool looking like platformer.
2: Yeah, I saw that.
0: Really, a really good looking game. Probably the most uh, technical or graphically pretty game I've seen so far. For, for the Amico um, and they also announced that they have another deal. Now this is where Tommy Tallarico is really doing his thing, and is going to make this this successful. Is they now have another deal with Tops. Now you might remember Tops from the baseball cards and those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. But that's not the the section of Tops they're working with. They're working with Tops Digital Services, who is the company that does a lot of um, like gift cards that you buy at like Walmart. Okay. So like if you go to a Walmart and I don't know like I want to get $20 for Outback and give it to somebody. Yeah. Tops is the one that like puts those kind of things together. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. So basically you'll be able to buy Amico gift cards physically. So, okay. So just more things to make it successful. I I think I think they've got a good thing going. They've got an amazing uh business model compared to other um you know, within television of all things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean atari can't do it they're <laughs> they have their release they're not doing great with that thing They're not no i think i think things are going the right direction here
2: cool um
0: one more quick bit of i don't know if you want to call it news but kotako did mention it okay um actually don't even need to pull it up um but it is a fun fact or a uh, a pro tip if you have a playstation 4 like i do okay and you have playstation uh plus yeah so that you can get online, then you get free games every month. That's right. Awesome. But most people, like me, don't have a PlayStation 5, either because they can't get it, or they don't really want to get it right now. They'll right. They'll get it cheaper later, right? hmm Well, you'll go on PlayStation Network, and you can download all your PlayStation 4 games, or your free games for the month. But if you don't have a PlayStation 5, how are you going to get the PlayStation 5 games on there? You can't, because you don't have a PlayStation 5. Right. So, this is not, like, crazy technical, but it's kind of like a duh moment. You can hop on your PlayStation Network account on your computer, go there, find the PlayStation 5 games, and add them to your account. Oh. So you can still get them. You can't download them or use them now, but if you still have your PlayStation Plus account, when you get a PlayStation 5 in two years, like I probably will, I'll have a bunch of free games already. Oh, nice. So do that. Yeah, do go do that. Get, <laughs> those, get those free games. Get those free games.
2: <clears throat> ah, good beer. I was clear my throat there. Ah. hmm mm-hmm. So, I did get a, a message from my Kickstarter for my Spectrum Next that is coming sometime Ooh. this year. Ooh. And they were talking about a new motherboard revision, like, uh, they are working on fixing certain things on the motherboard from the first versions, uh, but what I found the most interesting is there are some new games on the way, um, Way of the Exploding Fist is being made, and on the next, cool port. um, and Target Renegade. Cool port. Yep, they're ports, but they look, they look really <laughs> good. Um, but it's exciting, because they're still coming out with a lot of updates. And I, from what I understand, this is probably going to be one of the last motherboard revisions before they actually start um, making the...
0: The second batch?
2: The the batch, yeah. So it looks like everything's on schedule, which is good.
0: Yeah, I, need to, I, I have to go on there and check out and see what new games... Because they do have... They are mostly ports right now, though, or upgraded versions of old games. Yep. Which, I, I mean, I'll check them out. But of course, that doesn't get my juices flowing. But um, right. The games I have played on there have been excellent. Um, Evercade, which we just talked about, announced two more games coming up, and they are ones that are pretty cool. <laughs> um, they actually worked with Tommy Talarico. He actually posted about this, and it's going to be in television collections one and two. Nice. On the Evercade.
2: That would be fun because I, I have to admit, I mean, you know, for a lot of people pulling out their old televisions and hooking it up to RF or whatever, if you haven't modded it, can be a pain in the butt. Shoving the sound module on the side. Yep. It'll be nice to have them in nice little tidy collections. Yeah.
0: I think it's pretty neat.
2: So there are two new C64 games upcoming from Cytronic.
0: Uh, Now, I'm actually going to pull this up here on our screen here in the studio. Please do. So I can take a look at these on the big screen.
2: Yeah, and there should be a good link in there. Um, But there are two. One is called Battle Kingdom, and another one is called... Bad moon rising. I say the bad moon rising. And uh, Battle Kingdom looks. There's going to be a collector's edition, which is going to have, um, I think, a, like a map, a full color, like printed map. Is that no? I'm sorry, just the box, box, floppy with the with the floppy and everything. It's by Trevor Story, who makes a lot of the nice little uh, platformers that we enjoy on the on the C64. Okay. Uh, but this one looks to be like, a, how do you how would you explain that? It's um, almost
0: like the Dungeons in Zelda. They're like action RPG, room clearing,
2: right, or dungeons. A, a tick attack? Or attic a attack? tick attack. It looks kind of like a tick it attack, Actually, right? it does
0: look kind of, yeah, but it, there's like things in the room, like walls and stuff, too. That's true. It's so, a little more, a little more than a tick attack.
2: I thought it looked really awesome, though, so, I mean, that's something cool. I'm hoping. And supposedly, it's coming out very soon awesome
0: yep all and right then, and then bad moon rising bad moon Hold rising up here.
2: is a whoa it was a naked guy and <laughs> a little speed a little speedo interesting
0: <laughs> right now it's already giving me uh uh maniac <laughs> mansion vibes
2: yeah just that picture though but see below there there's it's almost like a scrolling platform where it's more of like a dodge the things platformer you know
0: well it's not a platformer because you're not jumping you're actually flying in a little ship
2: that's that's right
0: um oh no now on this next screen it's a like a gallery shooter with a reticle so it looks like it has a whole bunch of different types of gameplay that's exactly what i'm five separate game styles there you go yep
2: which is like the uh, thing we were just talking about in quick questions right
0: and this is a big one it's sd2iec compatible so i can use my sd card loader from the future was 8 bit on here that's right and also c64 mini and maxi compatible but eric pal Hmm. systems only
2: that's not Gosh a push, pro- darn it! That's not a problem.
0: Not for you. <laughs> that kills me. That really kills me because the truth is, yeah, I could put it on my C sixty four Mini and play it, mm-hmm. or I can emulate it, but I don't do those things. I don't want to do those things. All I right. want to use my hardware. It's true. I am not going to pull th- something out to use it. That's all frustrating. The little shmup level.
2: Yeah, it looks it looks really good. It's like kind of in black and white.
0: So I was actually thinking about this for a sixth good game segment. Okay six good games where the gameplay changes a bunch. Yeah, because i got a couple
2: of great C64 games from way back in the day that I love playing, and they're exactly like that.
0: But even some newer games do it, and those are kind of harder <laughs> to find. So They are. Cool. New games. They look good. Yeah. What is next on our list? Uh, actually, I think you're, you're next again here. Yeah,
2: because right? we talked about this next one on here. So, th- this one is so I, I came across this one on Twitter and it's called a Loop Hero. It's really, and this is on Steam. And the reason this is a retro-inspired game, yeah. So it's not a not an RPG, but take a look at the graphics of this one. Like if you scroll down a little more, um, mm-hmm. it is like almost lower than eight bit. Like it is very hard to explain, but it's very like um, tile-based, but very grainy. Um, I, I just love the aesthetics of this game. It reminds me of really old, like 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 a early C sixty four game, a little bit. I mean, the, it's, it's higher nicer res. than that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's higher like res a... than that. But the color palette is kind of muted.
0: It's almost like an Amiga, but with a C sixty four color palette. Yeah, like the browns.
2: Very hard to explain. But one cool thing about this, and I forgot to write this in my notes, but it is almost like a. Um, I don't want to say a card RPG where you like deal you're dealt cards and you are doing like you play the cards to do mm-hmm. your moves and things like that, but it is something like that. I was reading through the through the um, so, notes.
0: Yeah, they're not actually cards, but essentially the gameplay mechanic is you're given a random set of
2: things, things to use. Yes, yeah, it's, exactly.
0: So and that's something that you and I love.
2: Yes, and I know it, a
0: lot of people when they hear like card game mechanic, they either you love it or hate it. I love it, and I love it too.
2: Yeah. So. This game looks really good. Now, I don't play a lot of Steam games. I don't play a lot of PC games. And I'm, I wish this was available on Switch. It is not right now. It is only... Uh,
0: this looks like a game you would need a, a cursor.
2: Well, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It's
0: like a game you need a cursor with to me.
2: I, it's only on steam right now but i'm thinking about getting it because i was reading some reviews on it and it looks right up our alley so yeah you might want to check that out it's called loop hero
0: i will i actually got my uh kind of my laptop here back from my wife yeah has been using it yeah almost exclusively and i had to pry it out of her hands yeah and we actually got her her own computer for her office now oh good so um which is nicer than this yeah. Um but now I have my steam machine back which I what I love to do mm-hmm. is I don't like play on my little computer either but I'll plug in HDMI into this TV and I'll sit here and play you know, PC Steam games on my big screen here.
2: So it works out well for me. See, and my wife is using my Steam machine right now for her <laughs> main workstation while she works at home. So I haven't been able to play your, Steam games.
0: Your huge powerful PC is being used to do word processing. It is.
2: Yep. Remote desktop. And probably right. a
0: bunch of like Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and stuff, let's be honest.
2: Um
0: now this is interesting to me. Again, our news is not always news to everybody, Eric. Sometimes it's news to us. Correct. And this one is news to me. I thought this was neat, because I've got, on my last episode here that that we talked about, um, I I got a Famicom, the original Japanese NES, Yep. and modded it. And the cards are super cool, the uh, cartridges. They're all kinds of crazy colors. They're small. They're, They're cute little things. And there's some just exclusive games and art and stuff that's just very Japanese, and they're very unique, and I love them. And I don't know. I'm probably going to buy one of these just to have it. But if anybody else wants to collect the Famicom games, mm-hmm. uh, I recently ran into this device that uh, a company called My Arcade, which makes actually a lot of really terrible like yeah. devices to play games on. I've seen them before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they came out with this, and it's actually really cool. So that is a. Uh, it's basically a piece of plastic. Yeah. That is the shape of a Nintendo cartridge <laughs> with a big old hole, like, window in the center. Yeah. And you can take your Famicom cartridge, put it in there, and push down. So now your Famicom cartridge is encased in this Nintendo-shaped cartridge, and you can play it in your Nintendo. So it allows you to play Nintendo, uh, Famicom games on your are you NES. Ki-
2: are you kidding me? How cool is that? That is really cool. I didn't know this existed. I didn't either. It's only 15 bucks. Wow. And um, it works. Yeah. And, and I mean,
0: there you can see. And so... There's a device uh, called a Super B, yeah. Which you might have heard of I talked about some of the stuff in the past uh, So if you Typically uh, American cartridges have 72 pins That's right the, the Famicom cartridges have 60 So they're not compatible But But digitally They are perfectly compatible Okay It's just a hardware thing so there's a device called a Super B, which is like this little thing you can plug on the end of your Nintendo cartridge, and then it has like a ribbon hanging out, and you shove it in there, and you have to kind of wiggle the ribbon out. I've seen that, yeah. It's, just, it's kind of an eh way to do it, but it's all you really had, because the Nintendo, you know, has that VCR loading, side-loading thing. It's hard to get games in there and push them down. And, yeah. Um, but this it's a perfect solution. It makes your Famicom game a Nintendo game.
2: And you, you haven't gotten this yet, but you're going
0: to? No, I just found out about it. I'm like, how cool is that?
2: They have a Super Famicom to SNES one, too. Ooh, I haven't checked...
0: Okay. Well, that one's more like the Super B. It's just an add-on.
2: Yeah, but it would work.
0: Yeah. This one's not as exciting to me because, I i mean, I don't know if you did yours. You can literally just grind off two little pieces of plastic in your Super Nintendo. I have not
2: done it to mine. But and it'll,
0: it'll accept them directly. So that's that's not a big deal for me, but the other one's pretty cool.
2: I have to be honest, since I use Everdrives on both of mine, and you can play the different... Yeah, yeah. It's like it's... Like, I don't need this. I don't even have any Famicom games or Super Famicom games, but, but I, I think cool. this is really, really cool. And honestly, I kind of want to buy them just so I can have them, because you never know when they're not going to make them anymore or whatever, and I just would like to have them. Yeah. <laughs> cool.
0: I wanna, I'll want. i probably get one of these. I mean, yeah. that's cool. Anyways. Yeah. I'm still that, staring at it. It's pretty.
2: That is <laughs> um neat.
0: So the next item, which is related, mm-hmm. and this is a new item that got released, and I've heard... Uh, I want to say um, average reviews about it. Not, not not raving yet, but average. Have you heard of the Hyperkin Hyper? What's it called? The Hyper Podium? Uh, I'm sorry, the Retron SQ is the one I wanted to show you. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, you no. Know Let's do the Hyper Podium first. Okay. So I just found out about this thing, and this is a device from Hyperkin, who makes all kinds of weird retro devices. And that plug your switch plugs into the top of that, mm-hmm. and it gives you four GameCube controller ports. Wow! So you can use your GameCube controllers, so you
2: your S- Super Smash Brothers, four player madness. Yep. Or there's a lot of games
0: like the Super Mario 3D games that yeah. reissues or any of the GameCube classics. But it's funny because uh, there's only two ratings given on Amazon for it so far. Right. It must have just came out. One of them was a one, and the other one was a five.
2: <laughs> <So I'm laughs> That's helpful.
0: At, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm they didn't write anything. They just you know, put a star rating. I'm guessing somebody put their Switch on top of this thing, and it just fell over. because
2: <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Look at
0: it. It's like, um... It's only like a couple inches wide, and it's kind of tall, and if you put your Switch in there, it's going to be very top-heavy. Yep. It's a bizarre de- design. I don't understand the design.
2: I mean, do you, do you remember the first batches of, of third-party docks that came out for the Switch? Like, they... They were out, and people were buying them, and they were like, oh, this thing blew my Switch up. And yeah. so, like, a lot of them got pulled off the market because they were they would damage your, your Switch. And so, whenever I see anything my Switch plugs into, I get really nervous. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not sure I'm in on this. <laughs> well, in
0: fact, that's another thing I was going to mention down here is there's a ton of new docks out. yeah. Um
2: and the funny thing is I need a second dock. I mean I would lo- oh, not need it, but I would love a second dock for my downstairs TV.
0: But you don't want to pay seventy nine ninety nine to Nintendo for it?
2: Nope, and I don't want to pay a third party one just to blow up my switch. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that on my own, thank you.
0: Yeah, well there's some cool looking ones out there now, but we won't go into those those at this point. Um so here's the Retron SQ. Now I think this is a cool new product. Yeah. As far as the concept. Okay. And um If you want to take all your old Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games and play them in a little console, you can. Oh, It's a small little cube. It's probably what?
2: Yeah, we talked about this, but it was in its early beta. Is this available now? This
0: is for sale. Here it is. Um, $74.99. Okay, now I take it back. It does say it will be released March 25th, but they're taking orders for it now, I guess. This one happens to be bright blue, but there's other colors. Yeah, Um, It comes with a you know a Super Nintendo style controller, um, has a cartridge port on the top, which will accept, I think, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and uh, Game Boy Color games. Yeah, and a little uh, console for your Game Boy games, so you can play them on a screen on your through HDMI onto a big screen.
2: Yeah, I think it's cool. I think I'm gonna get it. Are you? Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's really cool. I mean, I my my mister will play those, yeah. But that this is just a, 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 a cute little console. Yeah, it's cool. Right, <laughs> you just plug into your T V and HDY anywhere you go. I mean, I, I think that and man, if Far our Everdrives work in here, that would yeah. be that would be beautiful. There's no
0: reason they shouldn't.
2: Some don't. Like mm. those, so especially with Retron, like some of the older Retron ones, you plug your Everdrive in and they they just don't work for some one reason or another. But if this did, that would be amazing. But I've always wanted to use I have my little Game Boy um the LSDJ, like the little like music making oh, yeah, cartridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I just haven't done the mods on my Game Boy Color to want, because I want it to have a brighter screen because it's hard to look at for extended periods of gotcha. time. So I haven't made any music because I don't want to stare at that little tiny dull screen for a while. Um, this, imagine if it worked in here. Like, you could on your giant TV, you could be making music in a little sequencer. That'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So there's a controller port in the front. It's just a USB port. Yep. Um, but what's neat, I noticed in the back, you've got a uh, 4x3 switch that you can switch to 16x9 and
2: back. That's pretty neat.
0: And so it must not just be software. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But it's um, it's got an actual physical switch back there. And then this is also something to note. There's a memory card.
2: Yeah, what does that Port. mean? Well, according to them, what does that mean?
0: I actually looked it up. And firmware. It was, what's funny, and they say this is where we keep the system software and something else, like for
2: firmware updates. But wink, Lies. wink, Arr, wink, wink.
0: Arg. Yeah, argue, scurvy dogs. You can put whatever you, think, whatever you want in here if you exactly. just know a trick or two. Yeah. In fact, here's a picture of the black one, which um, ooh, black and gold.
2: That was my high school colors. Black and gold. All right. All right. All right. <laughs>
0: That's what cheerleaders do.
2: They would say, black and gold is big and bold.
0: (laughs) And you would look back in your D&D book and...
2: Yeah, I'd be like, what? (laughs) Push my glasses up, what? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm big and bold (laughs) when it comes to attacking
0: orcs. Cool.
2: Which one would you get, the black and gold or the blue translucent one?
0: I actually don't know. Black and gold looks pretty classy, actually. Yeah. If it was just all black... Then it'd be boring. But at the bottom is cl- uh, black and gold. The controller becomes black with gold buttons. That's kind
2: of cool. Yeah, I kind of like the blue one though. Frosty. They I- they both look good. I they kinda, do. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna go in on that.
0: The only reason I'm not jumping on it like you are is I have that card that goes <laughs> in my Super Nintendo. Yeah. So do that I. That allows me to do that.
2: Yep. I have that too, but it's not. Oh, you do? It's oh. not perfect. Mine doesn't. Mine's kind of finicky. I don't know if there's something wrong with it or not, but it doesn't boot half the time, and um, I don't know. I think that looks looks really cool. They had one of those. That one plays Advance though too. Yours that that doesn't do Game Boy Advance. Mine does. It plays Game Boy Advance games. I thought it was just Game Boy and Game Boy Color.
0: You must be talking about the uh, the Super Game Super Boy. Bombay. Yeah, what no, are you I'm, talking I about? No, I have a device that I actually you can plug any of these games, the three systems, in to this cart, this cartridge, into your Super Nintendo. Oh, and you're playing all those games on your TV.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Including Game Boy Advance. Oh, but it's a uh, it's interesting because you don't use the output on your Super Nintendo. The output goes straight into the cartridge.
2: Oh, the yeah. The Video output. That's not. I don't have that.
0: <laughs> it's an aftermarket thing. Yeah, it's not a cool. Yeah, dirty pirate stuff. All right, what do we got next? What do we have? Do you want me do do this one? That Start- was a that was a bad transition. I'm sorry, Eric. We're really lacking on our on our transitions today.
2: So these are Tim's. So we're gonna have to pull these up because I oh, do L- L- I've never read these before, but here is Ben ven's Links Two as an Atari Links. Uh, Solder- links
0: Two, yeah not not a Link Two, yeah, but exactly. Links
2: Two. Links Two solderless drop in LCD kit. Which I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. Infinite Backlight Control. There oh is. yeah, that screen looks 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 beautiful.
0: So this is one of those things where I would absolutely buy this for sixty-five dollars, except I can't find the links under 200 dollars Correct.
2: I I I kicked myself because I I saw I found one in Davis, California, which is like
1: mm-hmm. a
2: twenty minute drive. And the guy had the box with all the cartridges in it, and I think he wanted like 70 bucks for Gosh. it. And I was like, nah. That's I mean, this a, was years a bit ago. deep. I was like, meh, I don't steep. think so. Yeah. Now the guy's probably driving around in his Ferrari because he sold his Lynx. <laughs> <links. laughs> I don't know if it went quite that high, but yeah. So, but, yeah, yeah but, good looking that, that's awesome. And I, I, I will tell you, I am a big fan of screen upgrades. Everyone I've done on my system so far on my handhelds, I've absolutely loved them. They look like I did the Neo Geo Pocket Color, did um, a Game Boy. They all look super good. So
0: very cool. Yep. Now, this is one that you have, have even though Tim uh oh no, this is yours. Never mind, I'll I'll let you read it.
2: No, Tim's is a little different. This one was remember when we played Jetpack R X, which was a reimagining of Jetpack, but played yep. on the ZX Spectrum. Um and it was frankly better in almost every aspect. I mean it was a wonderful I don't, it wasn't even a remake. It was I played, uh, played that more than I played of, the original. Correct, and I think it's way better and and, and love it. So he, I got, I get this email out of the blue. I didn't even know he was working on it. It is a thing called Jetpack RX81, which is in. It's in celebration of the ZX81 fortieth anniversary. Which oh, okay. is pretty crazy. It's not um, just
0: Mario month. That's right. Eric. It's not just
2: Mario month. Exactly. ZX Spectrum month. Exactly. Or, sorry,
0: well, ZX81 month.
2: Exactly. But this is a cool. I I don't want to say maybe D make of Jetpack RX, but. It is all, like, ASCII characters, like, instead because of graphics.
0: It's on the, like, on the 81. That's right. And so okay, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But it plays exactly the same. Oh, that's cool. I haven't played it yet. I did get that email, and I downloaded it, but I have not <laughs> been able to, to play it yet.
2: It's all black and white, but it's all ASCII yeah. characters, so, you know, little exclamation points and little parentheses for heads and stuff. I mean, it's... That's cool. It, it's a really neat little thing, and uh, free. I mean, he just gave it to anybody who had purchased his jetpack rx so yeah and if anybody hasn't played jetpack rx on zx spectrum you should go get it it's amazing
0: yeah I'll throw a couple bucks that way i think that's why i got the link too i think I, I threw him a couple bucks.
2: same here yep
0: um so i just wanted to cover a couple things i try not to just do a download of everything indie retro news <laughs> right. talks about it's easy to do well here's the thing mm-hmm so, for the last, like, two months, Indie Retro News, I would say, is 70% games that are, may eventually be finished on the Amiga, but aren't. <laughs> right. I am I mean, I, I love everybody who's making things, and I'm just tired of going on there every day and seeing four items that are like, this is in the works. A great Amiga game in the works. Amiga Puzzler in the works. Hey, more Amiga stuff in the works. Um, I would love it when things come out on the Amiga. But, yeah. there's a few items, kind of, when you dug, dug through all those... Um, News articles of things that might eventually be, including this game, which uh, which is was really cool. Uh, it's called Albert. Yeah. On the eight bit Ataris, uh, Atari XL and XE, apparently. I guess it won't run on um, an eight hundred or four hundred. I don't know. Um, and I played it, and uh, what they don't tell you here is it's actually only three levels long, and then the, you finish it, and it says, "Full game coming later."
2: Oh, so it's almost like a little little demo.
0: Yeah, but look at this, I mean, for an Atari 8-bit
2: Oh man, that looks really good
0: Yeah, it's. it's I mean, it's a simple platformer Where there's like, you are this little guy Kind of cool looking hipster dude With glasses and spiky hair And you're just doing platforming Collecting these little dots and trying to avoid These large bugs for no particular reason Yeah um, But I mean, look at it, it looks great So It almost, uh, I would say it's closer to What a Super Nintendo game would look like than a Nintendo game Actually
2: or th- than an Atari 8-bit game. Definitely
0: yeah. more than Atari 8-bit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, it looks really, really good.
0: Yeah. that was solid. I was ready to keep playing, but uh, I finished it too quick because they ran out of levels. Anyways, that was a that was a, kind of a gem that I found while digging through the uh, the old indie retro news. Yep. Um, the next one I have on here is probably one of the most exciting ones of the month for me. In fact, I have it. I'll pull it up here on my actual master system behind me, Eric. How about that? Oh, sweet! Because I downloaded this bad boy for the Sega Master System. Yeah, and um, we did. We covered uh, Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Um, Seems like we we talk a lot about Alex Kid. I love it. It's a good. Well, yeah, that's probably my fault. But
2: well, I mean, that's good to talk about. It. It's good stuff.
0: So, anyways, there was a game that was kind of a demo, that okay. was a partial called Alex Kid Two. It was a homebrew kind of remake. So anyways, they finished it, but instead of calling it Alex 2, they just called it Alex 3 Curse in Miracle World. Oh. And I already put it on here, and it's amazing. In fact, I would—I haven't played... I played about four levels. Okay. Um, but I would say it might be better than the original.
2: Oh, well, then then maybe I need to play it.
0: Um, just the levels are kind of made to be more playable. I don't know. The original, you kind of... It was stop and go kind of action. Right. Right. And this is more almost feels almost like Sonic or something like that, where you kinda had to keep moving.
2: So far what I'm liking is no time limits. I like that. <laughs> right. There aren't any. In fact, I don't see a score or anything like that. I mean, is that in like a pause screen or something?
0: Um, no, Alex Kid doesn't have any of that. Okay, um, so I mean there is a pause screen here. Okay, there's a score in yeah. the pause screen. Okay. But then you got your overworld map, you got yeah. your lives, you got money you're collecting, you have shops later on, you can buy different things, just but I mean it's a whole new game. And they did a much better job than the original, um, differentiating different areas on the map and having different feeling levels. So who wrote Multiple this? Multiple paths. Is this just fans? Uh, I mean, yes. Well, I guess we should go to the actual article here, huh? <laughs> talk about the actual, you know, well, Let's talk about
2: the news. News.
0: Um, boom, 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 boom. Yep, incredible sure. looking fan game. fan
2: game. Yep, so that's really cool. And so free?
0: Yeah, I mean, they can't charge for it, otherwise they'd have people coming after them. Yeah. Um, It's on a French website. (laughs) What I love here is they also mocked up like a a cartridge, a a case, and I would actually potentially even buy that. Like... Wow. I'll be playing the heck out of this game. I'm going to...
2: French, wow.
0: Okay, now this is great. I just noticed something. Yeah. <laughs> so in Alex Kid, the original game. Yeah. You had the three henchmen, right? Rock, right. paper and scissors. Yeah. They called it a Jenkin match, but it's rock, paper, scissors. Right. I remember. They had the guy with the two fingers for scissors, they had the rock and the open hand mm-hmm. for um, paper. For paper and and you had to play rock paper scissors against them yeah but uh, here's the scissors guy but notice this guy this one looks new <laughs> <laughs> wow well i'll just say it is a uh just like the original it is a, a henchman with a hand for a face but he only has one finger sticking up And All i'll right. let you guess which one it is that's right that's kind of funny <laughs> but i mean here i can kind of read french because uh i know the game here but they either secret passages so you can go different like almost yeah. like castlevania or um uh where you have different ways to go through the level, which yeah. I already found some of those. Um I don't know what La Pierre et <laughs> uh, Oh, we just lost our friend listen to their shit. <laughs> don't say anything about uh, I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> offensive. Um don't don't do a Denmark accent, please.
1: <laughs> we we'll we're, like, like we're, like ra-
0: we're like ranked like 178th in Denmark right now. We need to keep that. We love our Denmarkian literature. That's probably not right. Denmarkian? No. <laughs> uh, Danish. Danish. Danish? Dutch? Danish? Danish. 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 That'd be Dutch. Yeah, Danish. Apologize. Yeah. We're ignorant. <laughs> we're sorry. We're ignorant Americans. <laughs> and we'll just, just live in it. We'll just sit in our filth. Um, but look at all these different levels and how they look. I, this is really well done. Yeah. This is probably my highlight of the month. If I was going to say news article of the month, for me, this is it.
2: Well, I'm going to download Alex this. Put on my, uh 3. My... Uh, Master system. Oh, so good.
0: So good. Man, I'm just scrolling. Look at all these look at all this marketing they did. It's really neat. Yep. Oh here it is in English. I got down to English. So now I can tell you what the French stuff said. Um Secret Passage. Sega Heroes.
2: Sega Heroes, yeah.
0: Bugs to avoid. Yeah. I'll have to read all those later. There's actually a lot to read here.
2: Right. It looks great. I mean you have it on the screen behind you, so I'm gonna download it. I'll be tomorrow. Take a look at it.
0: Uh, next on my list of items I thought were worth note, this game is Spider Fighter on the Atari 2600. Okay. It's a port. Eric, I don't like ports. No, you don't. Not, not that I dislike them, just I don't care about them. However, this game was probably my favorite game growing up on the 2600. Okay. And it was ported over to um, the Commodore. Oh, nice. Um, and, you know, because it's on the Commodore, it actually looks better than the Atari version. Um. It's called Spider-Fighter, and you're just this little thing at the bottom. It's kind of like a... Um,
2: it's like a shooter, like Gorf or, um, or yeah, pretty Galaxian much. or something. Or it almost oh. looks a little like Centipede in a way. It's a, it's
0: like a mixture between those two, yeah. is what it is, honestly. Yeah. Because um, they aren't like spaceships flying down at you. You're sp- in theory, you're a, you're like a exterminator, like trying to clear uh, an orchard of spiders and other insects that are eating your fruit.
2: Yeah, the spider reminds me of the one in Centipede that bounces around yep. and it is like b- just annoying, trying to collide into you. Um,
0: so anyways, I love this game on the Atari 2600, so I thought I was pretty smitten when I saw that it was on the uh, the port list here. Cool. And then the last thing I wanted to mention... See, ports aren't always bad. Oh, not the last thing, I'm sorry. So, and, and Amiga news isn't always bad, Eric, because no. even, through all that um, Amiga stuff that might be coming eventually yeah i found one item that is here not only here now that i've been wanting for a while yeah and i almost uh picked it up a while back but then my amiga monitor crapped out on me black dawn rebirth that really cool looking maze have you played some of that
2: i have i have played some of it yeah not a lot but some
0: well it is now completely free wow so go get it for free Cool. I mean, it looks really cool.
2: It does look really cool. I always, I always laugh when I listen to the Amigos because John Schaller is always, uh, he 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 doesn't like dungeon crawlers. He thinks it's the worst genre, the dirt worst, (laughs) to him. (laughs) I like dungeon crawlers, but teach his own.
0: Yeah. Uh, Now for the last item, and this one's interesting to me for a completely different reason. This is another game being ported over to the Spectrum. Okay. But do you know what system it's being ported from, Eric? No.
2: The calculator <laughs> TI-83 plus
0: calculator Wow Texas Instruments Now what's crazy is I mean We had TI I want to say 82 when, we, when I was in high school Okay Maybe a 3 I don't know And we had some Kind of really Kind of ASCII kind of games Yeah But this game Is like Legit with graphics And it's got like Murder scenes <laughs> Right It's cutesy It's almost like um Sweet Home Or something like that On the NES Right um and it's being ported over the spectrum. But this sent me down a rabbit hole of how many games there that now that they have more and more powerful calculators. Yeah. There's all kinds of games written for like the T I eighty line and then a new line that has full color screen. Right. You can play like Doom on and stuff. Like Oh man. I, I almost went online or I did go online, start looking up calculators to see how like if there's a few that are worth buying just to like we install should, games on
2: <laughs> We should research what calculator has the most games on it. And like, take a go. look at it, that would be pretty fun
0: There we go, we that n- next month Eric Six good TI-83 games
2: TI-83 calculator <laughs> games
0: <laughs> So anyways This game looks cool and I legit want to play it so, It's called Desolate uh, It's yep. called Desolate, now I did download it Because I did want to play it, and it's one of those things That I did, just didn't did want to take the time to deal with But when you open up the file It just has like 100 files It doesn't have one game file, it's like Here's all the stuff, you can compile the game I'm like I don't know how to do that, yeah. I don't want to deal with it but looks fun. Yeah. That's it. Tim, what do you have for us? <laughs> the
2: accent. I can't do the accent. I'm not oh, even, come gonna, on. I'm not you
0: even gonna do the accent.
2: I'm not gonna offend Tim with just, my with my bad accent. Just all the French. Jeez. Not Tim. <laughs> 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 oh, <geez. laughs> Love it. Cheesy Trials. Twenty four K expanded Vic twenty game by Huco, Published by The Future was eight bit. The future
0: was eight bit. Yep. So now what's crazy it's about now this? Available. What's crazy about this is this is the game we were just going on about like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um so it's cool, the Future was 8 Vic picked it up and it's up for the Vic twenty plus twenty four K. And they got a nice set.
2: I, um, I, I really need to jump into Vic twenty games because I still haven't played my uh that realms of uh what is that D game man my memory's a bit bad tonight um, no i know
0: it was, well, it's kind of a generic name but yeah i know what you're talking realms about realms of
2: quest or quest of realms or something yeah, like something that like but that. it's that big 20 D game i bought the boxed one with the maps and stuff haven't haven't played it yet but i'm looking forward to you, it
0: you played pumpkin though right
2: oh man i did because after you you raved about it i put it in and played it all during halloween that was my halloween game. it was
0: great i love that game it's, it's my fantastic. halloween game now so here's what we got to do eric mm-hmm. i've been thinking about putting together an order for a bunch of these cassettes and stuff yeah. as well yeah let's just let's just uh, not necessarily double it but let's you give me your order i'll put the order in okay we'll save on shipping that that sounds great because there's a bunch of stuff that uh i've been wanting to get from there for a while and it's time the time is now the
2: time is now i
0: need to have pumpkin i want to get at least a cassette for every system
2: yeah that would be neat just to have it yep so he also talks about Brick Rick Graveyard Shift for ZX Spectrum as mentioned the last month is now going to be getting a physical release published by The Future Was A bit
0: Also awesome
2: Yep, release in the next couple of weeks I haven't played this one yet
0: Yeah, this one looks really good This one is that game that looks almost like Nightmare um, on the Neo Geo What's it called? Nightmare
2: Nightmare in the Dark
0: Nightmare in the Dark Yep but,
2: And I remember we talked about this last month mm-hmm. but I haven't I didn't know if it was available yet or coming soon um, Is that ready to go?
0: so this game is out yes okay um and i think there was also a brick rick on the amstrad which is one i wanted to play um this one's specific to the 128k spectrum cool and i feel like every time we give a good review to a game or talk nicely about it apparently the future was 8-bit picks it up and sells it so they're listening let's keep let's keep doing this
2: they're listening yeah that, that's great you know what, i they wish don't that have true
0: yet they don't have any specific uh commodore 128 games eric which one should we talk about <laughs>
1: <laughs> there are none
0: <laughs> let's talk about uh let's talk about jetpack r uh, 81 let's yeah see they'll release a, a zX 81 game <laughs> um i want to touch on this one real quick yeah uh we only got a couple pieces of news here left yeah to be honest it's pretty slow news month as far as big stuff it's all small stuff which seems is like
2: everything's a little slower right now for some reason but yeah. that's all right
0: um so retro fighters is retro fighters came out with a new product and honestly it's a product that i normally wouldn't really care that much about but because it's from retro fighters it makes me excited because they have made great stuff yeah it's called the duelist this new controller and what it is is just a wireless gamecube controller for your switch
2: wireless gamecube controller for the switch interesting
0: so it's a really nice looking controller now this is key for a couple reasons one as we already mentioned, there's a lot of GameCube layout games, which is a very unique layout. People love this layout. Yeah. And some games, like Smash Brothers, use it really well. Yep. Which is why we saw items like we did a second ago, where you can take your original GameCube controllers and plug it into some adapter to plug it into your Switch. Right. But those original controllers are now going for like 35 bucks. Right. The original WaveBird, which is wireless, is like 60 That's right. Well, this is going to be a brand new, really good quality, probably better than the original controllers. Um. From retro fighters, and my guess, knowing their pricing, is will be thirty to forty bucks.
2: That would be amazing.
0: And it's that nice game GameCube uh, blue-purple color, purple-blue. Yeah.
2: That's cool. I was just using my retro fighter um, N sixty-four. Yeah, controller. Yeah, today. we were. Yeah, we were for the for the <laughs> battle.
0: For the battle of the systems. Yep. Um, one more news item, and maybe we will go ahead and give a little rundown of what else we got going on this month. Okay. Tim, uh, Tim actually brought this one to our attention, but we've been talking about this for a while.
2: We have it. Is Is this the one we were mainly talking about? Yes. Right? Is it out now?
0: Well, read what Tim has to say. <laughs> read <laughs> So <laughs> listeners can hear, too.
2: That'd be right. great. Circuit Superstars by Original Fire Games coming soon on Steam. Also to be released on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, retro-inspired top-down racers. So that's Circuit Superstars we were just talking about. We've talked about this many times.
0: I Because it just looks so good to me. I love top-down racers, and this looks really well done. It looks like it has a huge, like, um, n- not only emphasis on the racing action itself, but also on, like, long-term campaign gameplay.
2: Yep. And March 5th. So it should be out. It's out. That's. Yeah. I
0: think that's what it said. It came out a couple days ago on Steam. So this is where I struggle is do I go buy it on steam or do I wait for the switch version?
2: I got to wait for the switch. Cause like I said, my game, my PC is being taken over by my wife working. She works on that machine. So
0: the one good thing about stuff coming out on, um, and it's 1699, by the way. Yeah. Uh, stuff coming out on steam first is first of all, it's early access. Yeah. So, um, if there's bugs and stuff, they're going to work through it. Great. Yeah. Um, but also, you get to read people's reviews and stuff. And, you know, if you go on the Switch, there's no review scale. If you go on, like, PlayStation, everything, what, for whatever reason, it's skewed. They're all, like, a really good game is five stars and a terrible game is four. And four and a half could be anything in between. Right. But on um, on Steam, they have a pretty good job of, of you know, when it says all reviews, out of 155 reviews, we averaged a very positive right now. Yeah. So that's good. You know, there's... um. There's better ratings than that, but that means, you know, very, very positive. solid. Yeah. So, so far, so good.
2: Well, I'm going to wait for Switch, but it is is something I really want to get. Yep. And I hope it's not too far behind.
0: Yep. Eric, that ends our news. All right. Um, I do want to go ahead and take this time real quick to make sure you guys know what else we have coming up this month. Uh, So, of course, uh, right now we're going to hop in and hear Tim do his Tea Time with Tim segment on uh some classic racing games and memories nice um i went ahead to cody's corner which is important to me because as you will hear later on in the month we've been doing a lot of pinball
2: like digital pinball yes a A lot lot of of digital pinball and i have been too this last month i've played more than i probably ever have
0: i love that that makes me happy that warms my cockles.
2: yeah Um,
0: (laughs) I wanted to go ahead and explain a lot of pinball rules and how it works because I think a lot of people say, oh, I like pinball, and they bounce the ball around and then quit. But there's so much. Once you know the rules, like, you can get really into pinball, like, hours and hours like I have on each table, which is when it gets better and better and better. The more you play it, the better it gets. Right. So I did a pinball 101, uh, everything about kind of, like, what to look for, what you're doing, how to get better at it,
2: I need to listen. Because I enjoy playing, but I have to admit, I, I just hit brick walls in certain games, and I just can't get my score any better.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, we're going to be doing a battle of systems after that on Futuristic Racers. That would be F-Zero X on the Nintendo 64 versus Wipeout 2097, otherwise known as Wipeout XL here in the States, Yeah, on the PlayStation. And then next month, uh, Tim will be joining us. We, of course, will catch up, as we always do, have a massive game show of fun and excitement, which is always my favorite part of the month. Right. And then uh, we are going to be doing a six-good-game segment, which we are covering golf games.
2: That's right. Not to mention a game show.
0: And a game show of, of excitement.
2: That's right. I have, I have a theme <laughs> for it. You want to hear the theme?
0: Yeah. Let's uh, Go ahead and hint the theme.
2: Generations. That, that means nothing called. to nope. me, but awesome. We'll have okay. to wait and find out. <laughs>
0: All right, well let's go ahead and hear what Tim has to say. Hey guys. How about we take a little break? And check with our friend over the pond. That's right. It's tea time with Tim.
3: Welcome to Tea Time with Tim. This time on Tea Time with Tim, it's all about racing games. I've always been a bit of a motorsport and petrol head and loved racing cars. I've loved playing racing games from when I first started playing computer games. Some of the first games I played in the arcade were games like Atari Night Driver and Sprint 2 along with Pole Position. All were stand-up arcade machines with steering wheels and pedals. One of my favoured games was Sprint, this being a top-down racer. It was raced on a grey background with a white outline for the track. Based on stock car racing you would slip and slide around the track avoiding the oil slicks and trying to beat the other player to get to the next track. This is a one or two player game with either the CPU or the second player on the second of the two steering wheels. You also had four gears and a physical gear lever on the cab. This was a great racing game and spawned the spin-offs like Super Sprint and Championship Sprint with the latter squeezing up to three steering wheels onto one arcade cab. Not great these days for social distancing gameplay. After playing these games in the arcade, I started to seek out some of the racing games on my first computer, the ZX Spectrum. Some of the first I remember are games like Trans Am by Ultimate Play the Game and also Check a Flag by Cyan Software. Trans Am was again a top-down style racing game where you drove a car around a very vague map of America. Having to avoid other cars that are out to get you, oil slicks and other obstacles like cactus when you get to the desert and also a night driving time in the game where the screen colours were turned to black and white. The overall idea of the game was to collect the cups as you go round, also remembering to refuel your car so you don't run out of fuel. Checkered Flag was one of the first Formula One-style first-person perspective games I can remember playing on a computer. You would race on simulations of world-renowned tracks like Monaco, Brands Hatch and Silverstone. You also had a choice of three cars, the McFaster Special, the Scion Pegasus and the Ferretti Turbo. Played in a simulation style, you would have manual gears, engine temperature and fuel levels to contend with. An amazing feat from 48k in 1983. Other races of note on the Speccy are OutRun, Buggy Boy, Turbo Esprit and Pole Position. One I will say to avoid at all costs, is, which I, which I wish I had done at the time, is 911 TS by Elite Systems. It's a tie-in with the Porsche car of the same name. This is a top-down racer, but more in the style of Spy Hunter vertical-style scrolling. It's utter rubbish, clunky and slow. The adverts for the game and the front cover were very enticing, with the Porsche 911 on the front. This is how bad a racer game it is, because the game engine was eventually turned into a horse racing-style game based on the famous English horse racing event called the Grand National. Other racers on the 8-bit platforms that I remember playing were Revs from Acornsoft on the BBC Micro, Buggy Boy, the excellent conversion on the Commodore 64 and OutRun on the Master System. That was a really good port of the game at the time. Moving on to the 16-bit era, and there are some amazing racing games on these ses- systems, like the top-down versions of Supercars, Supercars 2, Super Sprint on the Atari ST that is near arcade perfect. You can't really think about 16-bit racing games without talking about Jeff Crammon's Grand Prix on the Amiga, ST, and the PC, with the Amiga version, in my, in my humble opinion, being the definitive version. Released by Microprose in 1991, this game had it all. If you were seriously interested, into racing games beyond the arcade quick action and the top, uh, top-down style races. This was a groundbreaking simulation at the time with realistic representations of famous tracks using 3D vector coloured graphics. Not seen before level of physics engine, pit stops and realistic damages, and car reliability, along with pit stops and crashes. This game was released to much critical acclaim and welcomed by all lovers of racing games at the time. One of my all-time best arcade-style racing games is the Lotus Esprit Turbo Series on the Amiga. This is a coding tour de force on the Amiga and just goes to show what could be done on the system. There were a few versions of arcade racers like Out Run, but these were an utter disaster. Magnetic Fields, the developers of the Lotus series, showed what could be done on the Amiga. Other games of note on the Amiga was the top-down racing classics, Micro Machines. This did not get a conversion over onto the Atari ST. As it was very much in its descendancy at the time. But put it into contrast with the fact that Micro Machines actually made it out on the Philips CDI platform. Other 16 bit classics, like Acid Software's Super Skidmark series, featured ray trace digitized graphics for a new graphical style experience in, in the similar style to the Super Sprint games. The Lotus series of games were also published on the Mega Drive and that brings us on to some classic 16-bit console action. The racers that I am sure you're all familiar with, like the Lotus games, did not make it to the Super Nintendo under the Lotus brand but the game engine was used to bring the Top Gear range of games by the same developers as the Lotus series Magnetic Field. There are many other noticeable and superb raters on Races on the 16-bit consoles. Early examples were the Mega Drive conversion of Outrun, Super Monaco Grand Prix, and the second version, uh, which is GP2, which was a tie, which was also done as a tie-in with the legend that is Ayrton Senna, who sadly passed away in hospital after a crash in the Imola Grand Prix on the 1st of May 1994, a date and race that is forever etched into my mind as a staunch Formula One fan. There were great versions of other arcade classics like Super Hang On and later in the Mega Drive Life Cycle was a technical feat of bringing Virtual Racing to the Mega Drive with the enhancement processor called the SVP or the Sega Virtual Processor. It was an expensive chip to integrate onto a cartridge and the price of the game would reflect it. It was around about £70 and around about $100 dollars. However, it was worth it as the Mega Drive version, in my humble opinion, is one of the best conversions from the arcade. With it being developed by the arcade-creating powerhouse, that is Sega AM R&D2 or AMD2 for short, I also think it was better than the 32X version. There has since been a nice port of Virtua Racing on the Nintendo Switch as part of the Sega Ages brand and is a top quality arcade perfect version. However. You would expect that from the Switch. But nonetheless, it's still welcome to play, be able to play this classic racer. Not to be outdone, the Super Nintendo would also fare well with some excellent racers, and maybe a game that defined console racers for all time. Racing games of note for the Super Nintendo were the previously mentioned Top Gear racing franchise. The amazing Mode 7 classic F-Zero, released in 1990 that paved the way technically of course for Mario Kart that was released in 1992. Still to this day, Mario Kart stands up as one of the best all-time racing games on any platform for its two-player groundbreaking action and the graphics at the time and one of the most enduring and loved racing franchises for all ages. In fact the Switch incarnation of Super Mario Kart 8 is one of the games that my daughter Danica plays the most and really could pick up and play at a young age and get better and better the more she played at it. Nintendo itself got in on the co-processor chip game with the Super FX chip that was co-developed with Argonaut Systems for the classic Star Fox game. They would release Stunt Race FX, or as it was known in Japan, Wild Tracks. I freely admit that I have not yet played this game to the extent where I would remember it. Maybe one or two games when it first came out. I think I'll have to revisit this game soon. The natural progression in racing games came along with the next gen, like the Saturn, the N64 and Dreamcast. Moving more and more into the now popular 3D style of racers, as processing power would allow you to create even more fast-paced and realistic racing, like the classic conversions of Daytona and Sega Rally on the Saturn, also, the Saturn boasted an arcade-perfect version of OutRun on the Sega Ages pack, alongside Space Harrier and Afterburner. Racers of note on the N64 were, of course, Mario Kart 64, Diddy Kong Racer, F-Zero and Star Wars Episode I Racer. While there were some excellent cartoon-style racers on the N64, it was not well-known for its hard-edge racers like Daytona and Sega Rally on the Saturn. The N64 and the Saturn couldn't really hold a candle to the king of all-time consoles when it comes to moving the racing genre on in the mid-90s. And that was the Sony PlayStation. This system can boast some of the best all-time racing games. Example, when the system first came out, it was shipping along with Destruction Derby and Wipeout. By Sony or Psygnosis, or later known as the Sony first-party developer Studio Liverpool. Both of these were instant classics, maybe more so with Wipeout, as the franchise is still very strong even to this day. For me, one of Studio Liverpool's best creations were when they took on the Formula 1 franchise in 1996 and created one of the most detailed at the time Formula 1 simulators, featuring amazing 3D visuals. Looking back, this game has not aged too well in the graphics department. However, it set the tone for F1 and single-seat racing games going forward. The level of details in the textures on the cars, simulation aspects and the realistic physics engine made this another genre-shifting title. One of the features of the game was the PS1 link cable that allowed you to link two PlayStations together and go head-to-head racing with your friend. I can remember doing this with a good friend at the time, who now lives not too far away. But thanks to Covid, we've not been able to meet up to do any gaming. But I'm sure we will do in the near future when things get better. Of course, there are so many great racers on the PlayStation, and you cannot mention PlayStation and racing games without talking about Ridge Racer. For me, this was the reason to get a PlayStation at release. At the time, the big sit-down version of Ridge Racer was sweeping the arcades. And I can remember there is even a version called Ridge Racer 4 full scale this actually features a real mx5 sports car that you sit in and use the control gear of the car to drive the car in the game it has three massive projector screens powering the setup i know there was one of these remaining on the blackpool pleasure beach arcade in england up until at least 2018 i'm not sure if this has or will survive post lockdown england but it's an amazing thing to have even seen to this day Anyway, getting back to Ridge Racer, this was a big game for me on the PlayStation, so much so it was a reason for me getting a PlayStation. At the time, it was one of the very few situations when I was not working in a game shop and was working for a distribution company. And while we were selling accessories and parts for the PlayStation, we did not have a system or any games with the console at the time. The price of the console was £299 and I was very much involved in buying my own house at the time so it was something I could not afford outright when it was released. So I had to wait with my face pressed to the glass, peering into game shop windows for my PlayStation fix until one of the game shops I used to sell into had a PlayStation finally traded in and I managed to pick it up for about £180 with Ridge Racer. The PlayStation version was top quality and one of the other things I remember apart from the game being totally awesome and how close it was to the arcade game in play and graphics was that it actually had another game while you waited for it to load, namely Galaxians. So not only were you treated to one of the best arcade racing game conversions of all time, you could also play the excellent Galaxians while you waited for it to load. Top quality stuff from Namco there. The Ridge Racer franchise would go on to be a constant great seller on the PlayStation with Ridge Racer Revolution, Rage Racer and R4 Ridge Racer 4. Rounding out the races for the PlayStation is the stunning Gran Turismo series of games. This was another game that shook the foundation of racing games across all formats. Developed by Polyphony Digital and eventually being released on the PlayStation at the end of 1997, it was amazing for the time, with the level of detail and in-depth coverage of the cars in the game. From the basic cars that you normally drove on the roads like MX-5, Toyota Celica and Nissan Skyline, up to the exotic sports cars like the Aston Martin DB7 and Honda NSX, along with the GTR spec race-prepared versions of some of these cars that raced in the Japanese GT- series. The rest there is history to this day. This is one of the most detailed and intensive car racing simulations on any console platform. And if you're a racing lover like me, you have more than likely waited until these games have been released to buy the current gen PlayStation and then buy the game with the system to play it on. Of all the series of this game, I think the most played versions for me were the PlayStation 2 version, Gran Turismo 4, and also uh, Gran Turismo 5 on the PlayStation 3. Since then, I have been keeping up with the games, but had nowhere near the amount of time I used to have to put into the game. Of course, the story of racing games does not stop there. There are many other fantastic racers around on other platforms. We've not really touched on the PC market, and also on the Dreamcast... Xbox and other games consoles. Eventually, I will pick up this thread again on Tea Time and bring some other racing games and bring the story up to date as it's one of my gaming passions. So out of all these, let's pick five games that if you're really not into a racer but wanted to start playing some racing games, then here are five I think you should give a go. In descending order, we have Number 5, Grand Prix on the Amiga. Number 4, Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. Number three, Lotus Esprit Turbo on the Amiga. And number two, Ridge Racer on the PlayStation. And for me personally, my my number one recommended would be Gran Turismo 4 on the PlayStation 2. It's so hard to choose from so many amazing racing games and I'm sure other racing fans will have a totally different selection. But these are five games for me that give me that warm and fuzzy feeling and I would hope that they are worthy of you at least picking up once or twice to give them a go. Anyway, that's all from me now. I'm off to clip some apexes and crush some lap times. Until next time, bye!
1: Cody's Corner!
0: Hello and welcome to Cody's Corner. Uh, you guys might have noticed on this episode we've talked a lot about video pinball um, since we, uh, Eric and Tim and I, have all kind of rotated our TV screens. It makes it perfectly uh, set up to play pinball games where the table is longer vertical than it is wide. And uh, we've been having a blast with that, but what I've noticed um, is a lot of people, I think, play both pinball and video pinball in a way where they're just slapping the ball around and it's fun, but I feel like you're missing out on a whole lot of the design and brilliance of the game of pinball. And I think uh, when I first got into pinball about five years ago, um, I was in that same boat. I went down to the, um, I've talked about this before on the show, but I went down to the Pinball Hall of Fame in Las Vegas and uh, started playing around with those games and really wanted to learn about it. Um, Ended up, just a few weeks later, joining a local pinball league where I kind of learned everything about pinball. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and run through basically uh, some of the things about pinball that um, you may or may not know. Um, This might be refresher for a lot of people, uh, but I think even more we'll hopefully learn about the nuances and gameplay of pinball, what there is to do, and why it can be you know, so good to the point where you're putting hours and hours and hours into the same table um, and loving it more and more and more each time. So to start, I wanted to do a real quick overview of the different eras of pinball or types of pinball. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but your really old ones, um, you know, pre-mid-70s, the electromechanical pinballs where everything was done uh, through relays, uh, click-clack relays, they call them. And uh, the reels on the back box were, um, they would spin. They were dials that would actually spin. Um, Then you kind of hit solid state in the late 70s uh, through, um uh, mid to early eighties where all of a sudden things were now digital and you had LEDs, uh, showing the scoring display on the back. Um, and at this point you also end up getting like multi-level tables where you had more than one play field to, that you could play on. Um, after that, they called it a DMD era where you actually had the screen that shows kind of graphics and a little, um, kind of pixelated, usually they were orange pixels, uh videos they displayed information and even sometimes video modes we'll talk about that shortly uh while you're playing and then now you kind of have the modern era of pinball, which um has taken all that to another level and they have full on you know l c d uh screens playing video um and then of course you've got video pinball now video pinball is kind of what I want to focus on here uh for this episode um because, again, there's ones that are really good, and there's ones that aren't so good. And I honestly feel there's ones that people consider really good. But I'm guessing there are people that don't get into the table and the rules of the table. They just like to flip it around. Because there's ones that people consider very good, but I play them, and there's not much to do. And they're very boring to me. Um, now, the big difference on the video pinball machines is a lot of times, uh, if they are not you know, trying to do a direct emulation of a real table... Uh, they will add elements that you can't do in real life like having characters walk around the table and you try to hit them or um, you know special power-ups or ramps that appear out of nowhere things that you know physically you could not make in a real table which can be you know a really cool addition to a table um, so really quick let's go over what what is on the play field what um, names what conventions do you have to kind of get used to because a lot of times you read the rules and they'll name things that you might not know what they are, and if you don't, you're not going to be able to follow the rules. So let's we'll start with the easy stuff. We know when the ball first comes into the plunger lane, you use the plunger to shoot the ball. You pull it back and let go and shoot the ball into the playfield. Um, and keep in mind, this is a quick gameplay point, for most tables, there is a what they call a skill shot. Now a skill shot is when you first are plunging the ball, um, if you either plunge it at the exact right um strength to hit a certain target or to uh, for example in the bride of pinbot you try to shoot into these um little troughs and depending on which trough you hit you'll have different points um and sometimes the there'll be uh, you know some areas on the other side of the play field that if you hit you know go too hard you'll miss the lit target or if you go too low but if you hit it just right you'll get a million points right off the bat you know which you know, in, in competitions could win you a game. Um, of course you've got your flippers, which everyone should know what a flipper is. Typically you've got two at the bottom, um, that are flipping back and forth. And if you look around the play field, you might notice some other flip flippers and you always want to look at a, um, a pinball table first and see where the other flippers are. A lot of times people will turn the game on and start flipping them to see what else moves. Um, there either be, you know, full-size 4-inch flippers, or sometimes you'll have the mini flippers, which are about two and a half inches, 3 inches, somewhere in there. Um, and then the other thing to notice with flippers is sometimes there is a what they call a center post. A center post on certain games is when the flippers are a little wider than normal, and then right between them there is a post with a little rubber on it. And the ball, if the ball's coming straight down the middle, you can actually let the ball bounce off that center post so it doesn't drain Um But in that way, you actually have two ways the ball can drain on both sides of that center post. Um, Of course, you got your pop pop bumpers, which are the most infamous pinball, you know, item out there. They're kind of these mushrooms. They're usually in groups of three, sometimes four. Um, And they're just randomizers. If the ball hits a pop bumper, it's going to... uh, Actually, in some games, they call them jets as well. You'll see them called jets. Um... And there's a few other names for it, too, or just bumpers. And if the ball hits those things, basically this little uh, angled disc underneath will shoot up, thus forcing the ball directly out the way it came, which, you know, sends the ball all over the place, sometimes into other pop bumpers five or six times before it shoots off. Um, And there's, you know, modes and things based around pop bumpers, but we'll get to that. Now let's talk about targets. The... Typically, a good pinball machine that people really love will have a lot of drop targets on it. These are kind of square targets that stick up, and when you hit the ball, hits them, they they are actually pulled in by a spring into the cabinet itself, so they'll drop. And typically, you hit all the drop targets in that bank. They'll call it a bank because if you look underneath, it's actually one unit with maybe let's say four drop targets on it. And um, once you hit, knock them all down, the system knows that they are all down, and it'll shoot a solenoid, which will push all four of them back up, typically. Um, so you'll see a bank of targets, and those are typically drop targets. Uh, if they're not drop targets, they are spot targets, which are essentially a bank of, you know, or it could be one target all over, you know, in random places, or a bunch of them together, but they are usually round. Not always. Usually round. A lot of times they'll have a little metal dot in the center, and essentially all those are doing, is if the ball hits them, they make contact with a, a leaf switch behind it, and they just register a hit um spinners you know, you, uh, you know a very infamous pinball term is the spinner is lit um so spinners are you know when you shoot uh if you want to call it an alleyway or a lane on your table there'll be a spinner there which the ball goes under and the spinner goes and usually there's some kind of cool noise like that with the machine to let you know you hit the spinner and they're One of the most satisfying things to hit, especially when you uh, quote-unquote rip the spinner, when you really get a good hit and those points just start multiplying like crazy. Um, And I mentioned lanes, but it's also good to know what an in-lane is and an out-lane, because you'll see that a lot. So an in-lane is anywhere on the machine, typically leading to the flippers. You'll find an in-lane where the ball, if the ball goes down that lane, it's going to feed it right back to your flippers so that you can get a shot into the table. Uh, whereas typically on the other side of the inlane, you know, there'll be a little bumper or a little uh, post with rubbers on it. And if the ball goes on the opposite side of that, they call it the outlane, which is typically on the outside of the edges of the machine, which will lead to basically your drain below your flippers where you can't get it anymore and you lose your ball. However, there's games with, you know, multiple inlanes, multiple outlanes. Um, sometimes there will be tricks, uh, gates, things like that, where even though the ball goes down the outlane, you have a way to try to save the ball and knock it back into the inlane, usually by using, uh, nudging techniques on the actual physical table. Or if you unlock certain things in the game, a little, a gate will pop up so that the outlane will feed the inlane once and then the gate will go away, kind of like a ball save. Um pop holes. These are basically in the old machines, they were literally just a hole in the table the ball would kind of roll into and then a little uh, solenoid would pop it back out after registering that you made it into the pop hole. Um, Or an out hole or uh, lots of different names. And then in the the newer machines it would be a a hole where the ball would physically drop into the table and underneath there would be a little uh, cage or something that the ball would roll into. It would register points do whatever it does on the video screen and then pop the ball back out you. Uh, Pop holes are pretty cool in the sense that they're usually very um, consistent with how they return the ball to you, especially in video pinball, they're exact. So a lot of times what you'll want to do is hit the ball into the pop hole, knowing that when the ball comes out, it's going to go a certain direction. Let's say it's going to hit pretty hard on your left flipper, which if you just leave it alone and don't flip, it should bounce right over to your right flipper roll up the in-lane, and you can hold your flipper down and catch the ball easily so you can line up your next shot while holding the ball, which is a, a technique you're going to hear a lot about. Um, we mentioned that there's multiple levels on a lot of these tables. So uh, I think Black Knight was the first table that actually had a an upper level. Rather than having a single play field level, it had a, a higher one. And then games really took this to the extreme with games like a Haunted House or... Um, black hole where they actually put a level down below the bottom playfield and then there was actually a window in the middle of your normal playfield so you could see down below <laughs> and then Haunted House had that below and one above so it actually had three levels which not a whole lot of machines. I can't think of another one right now that does that. I think there might be one or two. Um, then you've got your ha- your habit trails which um, are kind of like when you shoot a ramp or you shoot a, which a ramp, of course, would be a a lane that goes up to a higher level, or a habit trail, which would be like um, either plastic or made out of metal, um, where you can hit a ball and you know it kind of goes all over the table on this trail and spits it out somewhere else. Um, these create all kinds of fun scenarios. And then what you'll hear a lot of times is a table will have a couple of toys, which are basically table specific. Items in um, a lot of the newer machines, they'll have like a character, like in the Metallica pinball, they have a picture of um, what do they call him? Eddie, I think they call him. No, not Eddie, that's Iron Maiden. But they'll have a uh, oh, Sparky, Sparky, there you go. Uh, they'll have a a toy there, and if they call it a bash toy, it's something that the whole point of it is just to beat it up with the ball. Um, so a lot of games will have multi balls built into them, where you're trying to hit the bash toy a certain number of times to get some kind of jackpot. Uh, which we'll talk about that shortly. Um, And then toys can take all kinds of different you know, unique twists and turns. Some tables uh, will have a spinning disc in the center that randomizes where the ball goes or all kinds of things. Um, So let's talk gameplay because this is really where the rules come in and I think this is where people lose it. They just kind of hit stuff and see what lights up and they think it's fun and it is, but it's so much better if you know what you're doing. We already talked about the, the skill shot. So then there's something called a ball save. Now, typically, a ball save, uh, especially on newer machines, is something where, uh, depending on how long your ball save is, um, let's say you shoot your, your ball out of the uh, shooter lane, you plunge it, and it might say, okay, you've got a six-second ball save, which means if the ball were to come out of the plunger and hit some stuff and then go right down the drain or right down the out lane without you having a chance of even touching it uh, within six seconds it'll put a new ball right back in the shooter lane and shoot it again. Sometimes automatically, sometimes you don't get a second chance at a skill shot. Uh, it'll just automatically shoot it at full power, but that is called a ball save. And you can unlock those during the game sometimes. So keep in mind if, if you're doing certain things and you know, there's a way to get a ball save, um, or a kickback, they might call it. Then you can do that and that'll save you one time from losing your ball. Um, A big one is multipliers. If you look on the table, there's certain things you can do to increase your multiplier. Um, Multipliers might be specific to different things. Like maybe you hit a bank of targets three or four times, and it will keep increasing your spinner multiplier until the point uh, the spinner is lit or something like that. And now every time you rip that spinner, instead of getting 500 points a spin, you're now getting 10 times that, so 5,000 points a spin. And then you rip it really hard, and all of a sudden you get 20 spins, and this huge, you know... Everything goes crazy and it's exciting and fun. Um, so look for multipli- multipliers, which are really a key element to pinball. Um, on some g- machines, you'll see it uh, called special, uh, an item called special. Typically older machines, and uh, you know they'll say, "Hey, get the special." So depending on that's an older term that depending on the arcade, the person who ran the arcade, they'd be able to set the special up as either an extra ball or an extra game. Or sometimes it's just a huge bonus in points. It's kind of something for them to play with. Um, so if you know they wanted to be hard butts, they can just put points in there. Uh, if they wanted to be very forgiving, they would give you a free game. In some games, it was so easy to get a special, you just could play forever. Um, so special is kind of a weird term that doesn't mean a whole lot. It just means look up what the special is so you know what you're doing. Um Now, we got modes and timers. Now, this is really where pinball gets good. So, let's pretend you have a table in front of you. For example, right now, we're playing a lot of uh, Bob's Burgers on the Pinball FX 3 uh, tables on the Nintendo Switch. And there's all these different modes. Now, what's a mode? Um, So, a lot of times, it'll be like, if you do this certain set of things, a mode will start. So, for example, in Bob's Burgers, if you hit the... um, Oh, I forget what hole it is. But the out hole, three times in a row, it starts a mode called uh, where, where you serve customers' food. Now, there's a lot of these story gameplay elements, they work into it. So to me, the hardest thing about pinball rules is understanding the theme and how they're trying to tie the actual gameplay into the theme. Sometimes it makes it hard to understand the rules. But in Ball's Burgers, they say, all right, so it's, you hit this three times, now you start serving your customer mode. And if you look that up, um, all the different shots on the table kind of light up. There's little lights in front of them, and they have a piece of food because you're you're at a burger serving place, right? So you can get you know a salad, a burger, uh, fries, um, coffee. All these things light up. So each time you hit that lane, that light will turn off, and you've collected that item, uh, and you've made that for a customer in theory, right? So what happens is that item goes out, and then the rest are still lit. You try to unlight. All of them, as many as possible. Um, and if you look on the video screen, there's a timer counting down. I believe it's 45 seconds is counting down. When it hits zero, you, you're done making your food. And now a customer will be lit. You'll actually see a picture of one of the customers on the table, which means you have, uh, again, look at the timer, I think 10 cent uh, seconds to hit that exact lane of that customer is on to have served that customer. Now, here's where things get interesting. You can stack modes so let's say you're doing that mode, but you have already, ahead of time, uh, hit the wharf a bunch of times. Now, the wharf, again, it's it's a story element, but there's a ramp right in the center of the uh, table called the wharf. You know, kind of like the dock in Bob's Burgers, the where they go in the Wonder Wharf, they have the amusement park. So if you hit that four times, you can tell how many times you hit it by the amount of lights that are right in front of that shot. Every time you hit it four times... Um, you add another customer, so up to three customers. So in the perfect world with that little combo, you can try to hit that ramp a total of four times to add a customer, hit it four more times to add another customer. Now you're serving three customers when you hit the uh, the out hole three times and start Bob's Burger's customer serving mode. Now you make all that food, but when the mode is done and the customers are lit, you don't just get 10 seconds to serve one customer. Now you might get... I think, 25 seconds to serve up to three customers that are flashing. Each time you hit one, it goes out until you've served them, and you can keep doing these kind of things. Now, there's all kinds of modes on this table. Um, I'm not going to go into details about all of them, but that's the concept is there's different modes for different things all over the table. I think there's like 18 different modes in the Bob's Burgers table. And it takes a while to learn them all, but when you do, you know what you're shooting for. You get excited. You know where to look to see, hey, I've got this far on this particular mode. I've got this far on this one. What if I can do all four of these modes at once? And what does that do? Well, it means each time you hit that lane when all the modes are going, you're getting those multipliers and those points for all four modes at once. um, And it's called stacking modes. Now, the final mode for any, for most modern pinball tables is called wizard mode and essentially if you want to say there's a way to beat a pinball table essentially it's by completing wizard mode so on boz burgers if you do everything i just told you and feed three customers well there's a total of five customers on the board so if you do that again a second time and feed two more customers and complete serving all five customers it enters wizard mode Um, Now, wizard mode is, again, where you can get the most points. Um, You know, in a matter of about 45 seconds, which I think is how long that wizard mode is, you could be getting jackpots and super jackpots and all kinds of crazy things that might take your score from 80 or 800. The scores are stupid, but like 80 million or whatever it is, up to like 190 million in one mode. Um, So... And then, so that, I guess that brings up to the point of the jackpots. So I kind of mentioned uh, jackpots and super jackpots. If you're within a mode, a lot of times, a lot of times with a multi-ball mode where there's more than one ball on this table at once and you're just flipping them and try to keep them alive, you also want to be trying to hit certain shots that are lit that say usually say jackpot on them. And obviously the jackpots uh, are, are big time, you know, a lot of times they'll be like 5 million or... Uh, super jackpot. There might be one harder to get. One typically, if you look up, like on Boss Burgers, there's a, a mini flipper up in the right hand upper right hand corner. And so while you're juggling all these balls, that that uh, little tiny flipper is hard to to remember. And if you can get that flipper to hit the ball just right to shoot it sideways across the table and go up this kind of small secondary ramp, you get a super jackpot. And so while the other ones might be five million, the super jackpot's like twenty. 20 million or 25 million, something, you know, much larger. Now, multi-ball is another mode that most tables have, and they usually have one or two, maybe even three different variations of a multi-ball. So, kind of things to to know about multi-ball, which is interesting, uh, and again, it's different for each table, but it's very interesting to know that you'll be playing with one ball, you undo multi-ball, and all of a sudden, balls start shooting out of the shooter lane, or another part on the the table. And you might have a three-ball multi-ball, sometimes even a four-ball. I think the most ridiculous actual table, I think, has an eight-ball multi-ball, which is just, it's hard to make any ball go anywhere because you're constantly hitting the other balls rather than hitting ramps or things. Um, But typically, it's going to be three or four. Um, And it's interesting because they they usually last as long as you can keep the balls in play. Um, So... If we hadn't talked about it before, one of the main things you're going to want to learn how to do really quickly, to to be able to do any of this stuff, is to stop flipping randomly. Uh, With multi-ball, it's it's hard. You do a lot of flipping randomly, but uh, you're going to want to learn how to catch the ball by holding the flippers down and have the ball sit in that little pocket between the upright flipper and the lane next to it. Now, what that allows you to do is stop everything, look around the table, look what you need to hit, and it creates a... um, a litmus test, a uh, which, a baseline for when that ball is right there and you lower your flipper and it drops down, you know exactly how far that ball rolls down the flipper before you flip it. It's not random anymore. It's That ball is always there, and when you release it, it's going to roll down at the same speed every time so that when you flip, you're flipping against the same um, you know, trajectory, the same, I don't know the word, physics <laughs> of the ball. And you can hit the lanes or the targets you're trying to hit um you're going to learn on each table where to hit that ball on that flipper to hit different things there's usually a a shot that's typically the hardest off the very tip bottom tip of the flipper um and that'll go of course at a very low angle across to the other side of the table and it's usually a more dangerous shot because you don't want the ball going back and forth and bouncing off of pop bumpers and things you don't want Um, you typically want the, the game to play in your favor by hitting things solidly, knowing exactly how they'll return to you, catching that ball, and then you know making your next shot. Uh, you want to be in control of the ball. Uh, so in multiball, obviously a lot of that goes out the window, but as long as you keep those balls going without dropping them, you're going to score a lot of points and keep the mode going. Now, let's say the multiball mode is 30 seconds. Most multiball mo- modes are going to give you automatic balls for 30 seconds. So if you lose one out in out lane or between your flippers, it'll usually uh, shoot right back out a new one, a new ball, out your shooter lane and keep the the multi-ball mode going until the timer runs out, and then it's up to you to keep them going. Uh, When you get down to one ball again, the mode is over. If you lose all your balls, of course, you you still um, lose the game or lose... actually lose your ball, lose your turn. So there's a lot to process a lot more to talk about pinball um i think another thing i would just want to mention too is like boz burgers is a very flow game so a lot of these tables will have different um designs or mentalities to how the the gameplay works games that have a lot of flow are going to have a lot of ramps that return the ball back to your flippers so that you can go okay i want to hit wharf 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 war four times in a row you can hit that over and over and over again you got your second customer great now we hit the out hole and now we hit the out hole the out hole shoots back out hits that left flipper. goes back to the right catch it let it drop hit the out hole again uh three times start bob's customer mode start hitting all those ramps adding those up um you know it and, it, and you can get into a flow where you, it just feels good everything is super satisfying you're hitting shots um you start learning where the hard shots are to hit and how to hit them and when it's worth trying to hit them. Um, and then you have to learn how to nudge the ball because if the ball is coming towards an out lane and you just watch it go down the out lane or bounce, start bouncing on the, the posts and you just go, no, 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 please don't, please don't, then you're doing it wrong. Um, at that point is when you know the ball is coming towards a post. You nudge that thing so it bounces hard off that post and away from the outlane, or or up hard enough for it to hit something else and bounce away from the outlane. Um, same thing is that if the ball's coming down the middle between your two flippers, and you don't think you're going to be able to get it, you nudge the table to the right and hit the right flipper. If you were actually playing a physical pinball, you literally slap the side of the pinball table hard. And what that does is the ball, of course, doesn't move, but the entire pinball machine moves you know, a quarter of an inch uh, while you hit the flipper. Thus, catching the ball and knocking it in a different trajectory to keep it from going down the center. Now, there's all kinds of cool nudging techniques that you can use above and beyond that, um, which it gets. You know, you have to learn the table more, and you have to get more used to it. For example, on fish tails, which is another game on the pinball effects table and a real table, there are some shots that, when it's coming down a certain ramp, it wants to go right down the middle. And you're going to lose control even if you like smack it and try to catch it. You're going to send it off in another out of control trajectory. So if it's coming down that ramp and it's rolling down the left side of the ramp. And you nudge the left side of the table. Now instead of going down towards the middle. It's going to come over a little harder towards the right flipper and you can catch it. So I use the nudge ahead of time to make sure I don't have to do a last minute evasive thing. I just nudge the table slightly. Now of course everybody who knows pinball at all knows If you nudge a table too much, it will tilt. And tilt is when there's actually a physical hanging metal pendulum inside the pinball machine that you can't see. And depending on how tight they have that that set up, it's hanging there. Kind of imagine the game Operation. Um, This thing is hanging down the center of a hole. And if it's a triangle, like a pyramid type of shape, or I guess conical shape, right? And so, depending on how high that thing is screwed up onto the pendulum, it'll either have very little room before it hits the edges of this um, metal hole, or if it's screwed down a bunch, it'll be towards the top of that cone, and it'll have a lot more wiggle room. Um, but basically, that's how it works. That's how sometimes you can shake a machine like crazy, and that pendulum always is just sitting in the center, never touches the side, because the momentum keeps getting shifted. Um But then on a similar note, you can do two tiny little pushes that just happen to catch it at just the right time that sends it right into the edge of that hole and you've got to tilt. So um, a lot going on, Uh, a lot of things to get better at, a lot of room to improve, but the number one way to get better at pinball, uh, I would say number one, you have to learn how to catch catch the balls and um, start learning how to hit shots. And number two, learn the rules. The rules, um, even if you start, like when I typically start a new pinball machine, I will learn one or two of the modes or one or two things. And I will just focus on that. And while you're doing that, you're going to miss stuff. And you're going to hit other things. And other things are going to happen. And you're going to learn those as you go. You don't have to sit there and read all 20 pages of rules in pinball effects on a table to enjoy them table. You can read the first one, page or two. Try to shoot for those. Try to do those things. And while you're doing that, other things will open up. Learn a machine slowly while you play it. Learn what shots do what and how. what shots are safe to hit, knowing that when they come back out towards you, you can catch it easily to allow yourself to pause and set up again to go for the next target. Um, I gave a lot of information. I talked for way too long, but I really think... If you get into pinball the correct way, it's it's so fun. It's very uh, engrossing. And especially now that we're on Pinball FX 3 on the Nintendo Switch, um, please, uh, like in our Discord, if you guys are part of our Discord, I put up my um, Nintendo Switch username or friend code, whatever you call it. And, uh, I would love to get as many people on here playing these as much as possible. If you have not played any Pinball FX 3 on the Switch, which is kind of our desired platform right now, um, it is free to download the program, and you get one free table called Sorcerer's Lair, and it is a great table. It's one of my, actually, I think it is my favorite table so far, and it's the free one. Um, highly recommended, and it's really cool to see everyone's scores up there and compete, um, so, reach out to us on either Twitter and ask for our friend codes, um, or if you're in our Discord, we can post them up in there, and I'd love to see you guys out there on the tables. Thank you much. And we are back live in Pixel Guide N Studios with Eric, the... I'm trying to think of a cool name for you.
2: Uh, there's no cool name for me. <laughs> what
0: was your high school nickname, Eric? I did not have one. Bruiser. Um, let's go ahead and grab ourselves some beers. Yes. Before we hop right back into, uh, the segment here.
2: We're going to do some tall boys. Get these, I, well, get these done early.
0: Like it. So Eric provided something here. I almost went this way actually, but you did. So good. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you describe your beer.
2: Yep. So this is from El Segundo Brewing Company. Uh, which is local. El Segundo is pretty local. It's in California.
0: I heard it's the second. El seg- Segundo.
2: El Segundo. Casa Azul. This is a lager obscura, which the description talks about how it is more like an amber lager. I was
0: going to say it's very dark. I'm pouring yeah. it right now. So it's
2: not like a light, kind of a light-colored lager. Um uh, supposed to have a lot of malt-forward flavors. Uh, per the description,
0: and you say supposed to, so you haven't had this, I can tell. I have not. Cool,
2: but it came highly recommended, so I have a lot of uh, a lot of faith in this one.
0: Good. Well, let's go ahead and say cheers, my friend Uh-oh, Hold on. Cheers. Cheers. It was actually
2: <sighs> delayed. That's all right. Um, this one is four point. What is this? Four point six alcohol content. Um, it comes in a pretty cool... I like the way the, the can looks. It looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel like I'm... Um, it's
2: like neat colors.
0: Yeah. Like I just uh, brought in a cattle for harvest. I don't know what I'm saying right now. just <laughs> you know, so imagine myself on a ranchero. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You know? Yeah, I know what you're talking like about. Like I'm sitting
0: on the front porch smoking a hand-rolled cigarette. <laughs> and we're about to uh, yeah, celebrate a quinceanera. Cool. All right, let's taste this thing.
2: Yep. Go ahead. So, I'll I'll read the side here. We built our name brewing clear West Coast IPAs with an exorbitant amount of hops. So, the last thing you'd expect from us is a great American beer fest, gold medal winning malt forward, amber lager. Yet, here we are. If malt is your game, this lager is your huckleberry.
0: Huckleberry. (laughs) They ruined it by saying that. Yeah. Huckleberry Hound. All right. Well, I tasted it.
2: Yeah. What, what do you what do you think? Uh, and I'll pick the it's Casa Azul, hmm.
0: which means blue, blue house. <laughs> Although there is no blue house on the can, no, that'd be too uh, straightforward.
2: Reminds I me, mean, the, can, the can reminds me of like a ranch. So let's do it out of uh, it's Casa Azul. Let's do it out of like uh, fifty four Mexican ranches.
0: Okay, okay. So I thought you were going to go with, uh, it's called, it's, reminds you of a ranch, and it's Casa Azul, which means blue, so out of, like, 25 Blue Ranch Doritos.
2: Blue Ranch Doritos. Which is in a, in a blue bag.
0: It's in a blue bag, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mind goes. Well, I'm going to be honest, I'm, it's, it's good, it's good. It's good. It's got to, it's different. It's not I don't know a, how to describe that.
2: Yeah, it's not as what is like... Because a lager can really go bland, like a very muted lager, you know what I mean? But this one has flavor in it. I'm not sure the flavor is excellent.
0: Yeah, I can't put a finger on... I know that flavor. I've tasted it in other stuff, but it's usually accompanied by other flavors. Hmm.
2: So out of 54 blue Mexican ranches. I'm still trying to identify. <clears> it's just like... Is it just, like, bitterness?
0: I think it's malt. I think it's the malts. Yeah, I'm usually assumed malt with, like, sweet. But it's not sweet at all. It's not it sweet very, at all. It's dry.
2: It is very dry, yep. As as you would expect.
0: Dark and dry. <clears throat> hmm. Okay. So, oh, I'm sorry. At uh, a 54. 54? hmm I'm going to go with... I'll go with 40.
2: 40? I was going to pick 39. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's a good, easy drinking beer, but it's just dry. If I
0: was at a bar where they had like Bud, Bud Light, and this, I'd buy this. Yes, hands down. But if
2: they had Beeline, I'd buy that. Yep. So if they had an, yeah. All right, cool.
0: Fun taste experience. Yes. And uh, you have two more cans, and that's I would drink those too. So. Yep. You oh, have them oh now, I dude.
2: will. Oh, I will. I just
0: don't think I'd buy it. Necessarily on purpose again, unless there was no other option.
2: Right. All right. All right, guys. <clears throat> we got a battle. And we
0: do have a battle
2: Battle of the Systems. Battle of the
1: Systems. <laughs>
0: Don't mind me, I'm just playing Alex Kid over here <laughs> So what game do you really want to start fun. with?
2: What game do you want to start with today? We have two contenders Wipeout 2097 or XL if you're here in the colonies Or we can talk about F-Zero X on the Nintendo 64 Which one would you like to start with?
0: So I want to start with, I think I want to start mm. with Wipeout Because that's the only game I've played any of before this Okay I've never played X-Zero X before this Oh you haven't? No. Okay. I, I played a ton of X, uh, F-Zero on the Super Nintendo, Um gotcha. I've never played any other F-Zero except for that.
2: So my experience is almost the opposite. I've played a lot of F-Zero X, um, and I wouldn't say a lot here and there, but it's since I have a hard time finding great games on the N64, I would go a lot to F-Zero X, because I think it is a very smooth and excellent racer, but okay. um, not, excellent. To away, not to give away... lint. Excellent, exactly. Um, but I, but Wipeout. I've played the original one a lot, but I didn't play this one XL a lot. So my experience is almost the opposite, which is good. Okay. we will we will contrast each other. We will compare, and we will contrast. I'm going to contrast the heck out of you. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. all right. So let's talk about Wipeout 2097. You want me to give some dry yeah, statistics? Yeah, give some
0: give some dry statistics. <laughs>
2: I don't know what that was. That's but a I'll, word. I'll accept it. It drives uh, tick. The developer was was Cygnosis, <laughs> and I have to admit, I totally forgot Psygnosis made the Wipeout series. Yeah, oh, so I did. yeah, that's right. There's the owl. Yep. So pretty cool. They they were a great publisher on platforms like the Amiga. So that's really cool. In fact, the original Wipeout is on the Amiga. I think, if I remember right. Really? I do. Yeah. In fact, look, platforms for this game, is on, there's one on the Amiga. Really? Yeah.
0: I don't know how the Amiga would pull that out. We're going to have to check that out before we finish. Exactly. Okay. Um,
2: I'm,
0: Even on the screen, it says right here, it came out for in 95 for the PlayStation, PC, and later on the Saturn. Yeah. They, they didn't mention the Amiga, Eric, on yeah. this video.
2: It's, it's possible my information's wrong. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Wikipedia
0: gonna, is never wrong.
2: I, <laughs> never. I'm not going to go through the programmers and artists, but there's quite a few of them. This game was good enough to, to create a whole series. I mm-hmm. mean, there was a series, a Wipeout series multi- with multiple games. Um, the platforms this lists, PlayStation, Windows, Sega Saturn, Warp OS, which I don't know what that is, <laughs> Mac OS and the Amiga. Um, the release date on this one was September 30th, 1996. Um, that was in um, that was in North America. <clears throat> um, it is single-player and multiplayer. So okay. there is a single-player and multiplayer mode. So where do you want to That's begin with That's good information.
0: This yeah. Once again, Wikipedia has raised more questions than answers. <laughs> exactly. And now I need to know what Warped OS is, and I need to figure out what the heck Wipeout on the Amiga was. Yeah. Um, so really quick, my history with this game. Mm-hmm. This was probably the game, I've talked about it in the past, where I think of playstation even back then and to this day when i think of playstation i think of so pixely that i can't tell in a still shot what what i'm looking at right but when it's moving it makes sense um and so i just remembered looking at this in different magazines and stuff Mm -hmm. and thinking like that looks terrible like from the beginning um but i know this was supposed to be some huge like technical tour de force yeah um probably a large part because of the physics and stuff um but I just remember thinking, like, this game is, like, I, it, it, it looks terrible. So, uh, really, I, and then I've tried playing it on uh, my PlayStation Portable. They've had a Wipeout game, and then recently there was a Wipeout collection that was for free on PlayStation Network. Right. And so, I've tried a bunch of Wipeout games, and they've never, again, they've never clicked with me. Okay. Um, I never got used to how they handled and stuff. So, part of, the big part of this was I really wanted to dig into one. Mm-hmm. And so I looked online and saw which which was the best Wipeout game. Yeah. And this was considered the best. I believe it is the third in the series, is that what you said?
2: I I don't I don't have or that s- number, but it's either the second or third.
0: Um <clears throat> so I went with that and then I quickly looked up uh which F0 went against it because I know they're you know Wipeout was PlayStation and F0 was Nintendo and they were direct competitors.
2: And there's so much there's so much similarities in these two games. I'd say there's a ton of similarities and a ton of differences. <clears throat> Correct. But the similarities kind of define this genre of futuristic racers. One is yeah. <clears throat> and if you don't mind, let's list some of those. Sure. Um damage. Your ship takes damage, but it can be regenerated um by going through some place that has, like, energy field, where Mm -hmm. you drive through it and it rebuilds your shields, I guess. I don't know what you're calling it. But there is some area you drive through which takes you a little off the course or not off the course. Like, in Wipeout, it's directly off the course.
0: It's not the ideal racing line. Exactly.
2: It's not the ideal racing line. And and then you have to. So if your damage goes to zero, though, you're done. You blow up and you lose a life. Um, That's common in both the games. Um, in both games, there are areas of the screen in the racetracks where you drive over and they give you a little speed boost, right? Yeah, a
0: little hyper... Yeah, exactly.
2: Yep. Um. That, I mean, that, and pretty much that's part of what is what defines the the futuristic racer, right? I mean...
0: What, so, yeah, I mean, those two things... And the things, air brakes.
2: And the air brakes, And I'm the sorry. air
0: brakes, you're hovering. <clears throat> um, Which I always laugh about, because I'm just thinking in the future world, everyone's like, oh, well, hover cars yeah they're called planes and then why would we stick to the ground if we can fly right. exactly anyways i just um
2: but that is one the last thing i wanted to mention when the cut the similarities is both of them use the the air brakes you use a left or a right air brake to make sharp turns around specific turns
0: yep it'll help you make sharper turns correct um, but they're a little harder to control <laughs> and do correctly yep um so, now, all that was... You said those defined the futuristic racer. I would say, unless in, in there's a game I don't know about, those games were created by the original F-Zero. Like, those are all things the original F-Zero was.
2: That's fair. I and can't think so of anything this, else. This yeah. is,
0: would uh, be an iteration on that Correct. game, in yeah. my yeah. opinion. Sure. Uh, with the knowledge that I have. Yep. Um, so, anyways, this game, here it is. Yep. Um, so, it is... A game where you are racing down essentially what I'm gonna call tubes uh, it's like a it's a racetrack, but they're very narrow mm-hmm. and they almost every racetrack has kind of a bank on it or a, a wall, if you will, and really like three wide is as many people you can probably get next to on a track without bumping into the wall or, or somebody else mm-hmm. very narrow tubes right, which is kind of unique um. They have a lot of checkered board patterns on the ground, which I think helps sell the the speed you're going with. Right. Um, and it's really about like this game is hard to navigate without people on the track because the the way the the vehicles handle. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Like, did you get a feel for the handling, or did you struggle with it the whole time?
2: Um, I I when the when the courses got more advanced, I struggled with it quite a bit. <clears throat> the early ones, I got gold medals on the first two ones very easily. The first two tracks I thought were pretty easy to navigate without too much trouble, but then the it ramped up quite a bit on the next mm-hmm. level of of two, like it. So you you have two race tracks you you play in the beginning. They were pretty straightforward. The second two I had a very hard time getting gold medals on those.
0: And it's funny cuz those first tracks <clears throat> I would you can get gold, gold medals easily, but I was still bouncing off the walls constantly.
2: I got like, I the, didn't feel
0: like I was avoiding things. I felt like I was just going fast, and the game let me run into things and keep going.
2: Right. I did have to master, and a little trick I learned was the dual air brakes for rapid deceleration. So when you come up to a turn that you know is coming up, again, like most racers, this one, you benefit from memorizing the tracks. Mm-hmm. And so when you memorize, like, sharp turns coming up, I would just use dual air brakes to come to, like... A hard stop and then make my turn um i wouldn't i i wouldn't i would begin with dual air brakes and then move into a left air brake or right air brake to get around that corner um but with that said i didn't get i mean i did eventually get one gold medal in the second batch of of tracks but i was bouncing around and like just just almost out of control the whole time
0: Yeah, that's kind of been my experience with all the Wipeout games I've played, and so I was hoping this one would really, like, open it up for me. You can obviously tell that, like, Mm -hmm. this one did not win for me um, over the other Wipeout games, which I was hoping it would. Gotcha. I was hoping this would be, like, the key one that makes me go, ah, got it.
2: Right. And Um, I, I will tell you the one thing that really I liked about this game, because one thing I do is I do completely agree with you on the graphics. Like, they seem very pixelated. Um... It 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 is smooth, but it doesn't look smooth. Do you, if that makes any sense? <laughs> <coughs> like the driving the gameplay is smooth. is smooth, but the, the game,
0: graphics are jerky.
2: <laughs> it, it, the graphics are a little blocky, and a, that which creates almost a jerkiness to it. Um, definitely, and I and there's no getting around this without comparing them already. But like when you compare it to an F Zero X, that thing is silky smooth. Yeah. I mean, the graphics are crisp, and it's very, very smooth. That's one thing I'll give to F-Zero X. This game, you do get lost in the pixels sometimes.
0: Yeah, now this game, you're much closer to your ship, and Mm -hmm. everything's kind of flying past you. Yep. So this is a much more visceral experience than F-Zero.
2: I will tell you that, though, I had so much fun with the weapons. Really? Like I love the weapons this game, And listen when I play a racer, sometimes when I find out there are weapons in a racer, I get kind of disappointed I'm like, oh, really? I just want oh, I a like racer, him. but i no I love the I love the the weapon that causes the track to like the big wave undulate and uh the autopilot little bonus is pretty cool because you can just kind of almost rest your fingers the, and mine
0: the autopilot is hilarious to me because basically you can a uh, a uh, It just proves to you how much the game is about, like, there's one way to do this correctly, and everything else you do is wrong. Right. Kind of like golf. Yep. Like, (laughs) there's one way to do this correctly, and if you don't make par, you're not doing it right. And and, uh, And when you get that power up and it goes to autopilot, all of a sudden you pass, like, two guys. You do. And you just nail turns, and you're like, there's no way I could do that.
2: Right. (laughs) I I am a sucker for lock-on like uh graphic mechanics, like uh you know when like a fighter pilot lock oh yeah, on. yeah yeah yeah, and so when you get that weapon with the lock on missile i I think that I love it i i I had more fun with this game using the weapons than I did the racing part of it
0: now, the weapons are very one time use, mm-hmm. and you have to learn like the weapon system there's this little like heads up display at the top mm-hmm. with these weird shapes on it, like it's almost like an l c d um yeah like liquid crystal display, it is calculator thing up there yep and depending on what shape it makes you have to kind of memorize what those are what what power up you have is it a boost yep is it the undulating track thing is it um a single missile going straight is it a lock on is it a three missile spread yep and uh i never did memorize i'm not gonna lie (laughs) I,
2: i didn't memorize them either i mean there were a few that i would recognize when they popped up but you're right i didn't recognize them at all um but otherwise, I mean i I thought the combat in this game was was kind of a standout for me, huh. yeah, okay
0: um yeah, the combat i I think I struggled with figuring out what I was supposed to be doing, so I okay. just treated everything as if it was going to be one missile straight ahead of me, and then completely different stuff would happen hmm. so I never I guess allowed myself to to memorize everything to actually be able to use it okay that's probably more on me than the game um. I mean, that's the gameplay. You're usually racing against, like, was it like six racers. Right. Something like that, yeah. So, a handful compared to F-Zero, which is a lot of racers. Right. Um, now, the other thing about this game is, it's one of these games kind of on the cusp of old school and new school game mentality, in my mind. Yeah. Or when you turn on the game, your first option is, like, jump into a race. You're like, yeah, what kind of race? Is it part of a campaign? Is it whatever? It's like, do you want to do a race? do you want to do a time trial or do you want to like race against other people? Right. And that's it. You're like, okay. Is there like, how do I advance? Is there a way to advance? You have to kind of like figure out how to make a campaign with your own kind of mindset. Yeah. And then you realize when you do a race that you have two levels you can play. And if you can win both of those two levels, it puts, um, it, it shows that you beat those two levels and then you can now try to beat two harder levels, but you can kind of jump into any of them at any time. Right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of the, um. I don't know, I guess I, I always wanted to be, uh, even though everything is there, I want to unlock stuff. I want to feel progression. Mm-hmm. If it's just always there and I'm just kind of picking and choosing, it always makes it harder for me, which is, I guess, pr- more a weakness of myself. But, yeah, you have to try to kind of make your own campaign up as you go.
2: Yeah. And I always wanted to get in there and, like, get gold medals. Like, so I'd get a silver and I'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, I, now I got to get a gold. So it had a bit of that element for me, at least. Um, where there was some kind of progression, uh, marker, but I get what you're saying. I mean, you want to be able to unlock different tracks and different racers or different vehicles or whatever.
0: Now, another, uh, I would say a pro and a con, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the soundtrack was all like, this is like the height of that, like nineties techno. Yeah. The chemical brothers is on here. And, um, oh, what's the other one I'm thinking of right now? Not like the propeller heads. Who was it? Well, this one, Fatboy boy slim, I think was in here.
2: Yeah, so the music. New music was mostly recorded from Psygnosis' in-house music team called Cold Storage. That's right. Um, I I
0: take it back. That is right.
2: Yep, for versions... um, Let me see here. Yeah, so, I mean... There were other people like the Prodigy. There you go. Prodigy Rosesong, was what I heard. In Chemical there. Brothers. Yeah. You no, know, you're right. I mean, they did do that, but there was also their in-house music team called Storage made a lot the, the lion's share of the tracks.
0: So I believe if you look in there, depending yeah. on which version, PC mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. the, the it changed. That's correct. Because I think the PlayStation version was like primarily different artists. You're right. And then but, the in-house team kind of took it over for the other versions.
2: That's correct. For The like Saturn that. version and the Mac version. All came. We're all Cold Storage, but the PlayStation version had the Future Sound of London, Fluke, the Chemical Brothers, Fotech, Underworld, The Prodigy, and Cold Storage. There you go. So, but so I, you know, I did a little digging on the music, and it, either people hated the music in this game, or they, <laughs> or they, it was critically acclaimed. Like they loved it. Like they, they couldn't get enough of it. There was talk of people taking their playstation discs and popping it in their cd players and you skip the first track which is the data track and you can listen to the album yeah the album was sold separately for this so i mean it was some people loved it so my opinion is
0: the music is good Mm -hmm. the issue is because it is that 90s um techno yeah it all has the same exact like bpm yeah beats per minute right and because every song's always at that speed and it's always got a kind of similar that, that drum trap beat that yeah you know that whole thing yeah um it almost kind of just becomes background noise when you first hear the song you're like oh cool yeah. but after you played a couple of times you're just like, it's just like white noise at that point because yeah. the songs like i always think of like tony hawk in this area era, yeah where it's got all these different artists and they all sound completely different yeah. So Every time you like, it's you must like. Every time you go skating, it feels different. It like, give a kind of a different mindset because the music puts you in a different mood. Right. And it's awesome. This the music's awesome. It's just all so similar that you just kind of, I don't know, become numb to it. I guess. Right. Um. Anyways, I. I <laughs> what else do we say about Wipeout?
2: I think that's it. The, the one thing I kind of appreciated this month about these games, both of them, is they're they're both good. I mean, they're both great games, but they're not so deep that there's that much to talk about.
0: That's kind of where I'm coming up right now with this game, yeah.
2: which helped me because I didn't have a lot of time this. I didn't have a lot of time this month to play games, so it wasn't like this game I needed to invest twenty hours into. I mean, I probably played each of these for about. 3 hours and I got the gist of it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And these are great. These are great pick up and play games you don't have to worry about a continuing storyline or or whatever you get in there and you play three or four races and then you get out and you go mow the lawn or whatever you know yeah. what i mean so i appreciated that i thought that was a definitely a plus these are really great pickup and play games. i love
0: the menu i love this like the yep. futuristic looking style of the menu and how all the little gauges and everything look yep um which are kind of funny because they're kind of like retro modern mm-hmm they almost look like an '80s yeah. impression of what things are going to look like in the 2020s, right? <laughs> yep. Like the dials and stuff, look straight off a of DeLorean. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Position twelve of twelve. So in this race, there's twelve racers. Yep. You, know, you only do like one or there have been two or three laps. They're short races. Um. Well, let's let's go ahead and and set sure. up a rating scale. First of all, futuristic racers. So maybe we do it out of DeLoreans. Sure. Because they can hover. Yep. How many DeLoreans? Um wait, how many gigawatts? <laughs> is it 2.1 gigawatts? <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not enough <laughs> of a rating system. <laughs> oh sure it is. Come on, this pixel guide in. Um <laughs> I think that was a good good. Alright, these are these are What year did the DeLorean come out? Oh, don't put me on the spot. It's like a nineteen eighty, eighty nine, like eighty eight. Was it? You probably know better than I did. You were alive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I, was, was, I alive. was alive
0: too, but I was six.
2: Because uh, um, we could do that out of the year it came out. But um, you know what?
0: The, you got thirty two bits versus sixty four bits. Okay. Which added together <laughs> okay. becomes ninety eight bits. All
2: right. You want to do ninety eight out
0: of ninety eight DeLoreans? Ninety
2: eight DeLoreans. All right. That's good enough.
0: DeLoreans. Um. Do you, do you have your reading ready to go? I think so. Okay, you go first. I'm gonna do 82. 82 and 98. Okay, wipeout. So, wipe so this out. is a game that I understand it, mm-hmm. and I can respect it for what it does. But I know I just I did not want to go back and play it every time I was, it was a chore to go do it
2: see i i, I actually was looking forward to it because oh, yeah. i love the combat in this game i'll admit it I, I i'll tell you right now i think the racing the pure racing is probably better in f-zero x and we'll talk about that in a minute but this one had me like wanting to grab weapons and blowing stuff up which is fun yeah in a game so i love it in
0: mario kart yeah i just yeah i think i think this game just i for whatever reason, I just was not able to figure it out. Okay. It's probably more than me than anything else. But for me, I'm going to have to give this out of 98. Mm-hmm. I will give it a 64.
2: Okay. Fair enough.
0: 64 bits. Right. DeLorean, DeLorean flux capacitor gigawatts.
2: <laughs> All right, Eric. Let's get into Next it. Next game, F zero X. You have the deets. Yep. Okay, let's throw down some deets. But, what was on the this. word I used last time? <laughs> St- statistics. So, wait, statistics. Statists. Statistics.
0: Give me the sweet statistics. All right. Or if you can just make paper noises for the listeners, that'd be great. As yeah, well. that's
2: what I'm gonna do. Well, that makes us <laughs> sound so professional. <laughs> what they use physical paper.
0: That's right. Whatever happened to your Tandy two hundred? <laughs>
2: All right, F-Zero X, uh, developer is Nintendo, E-A-D. I don't know what that means. I thought you
0: were about to say E-A, sports. It's in the game. What does
2: E-A-D mean? I don't know. Something, maybe one of their divisions.
0: Wikipedia, you never, the rabbit hole you create for me.
2: Yep. Um, So the director on this one was Tadashi Sugiyama. Nailed it. The producer was Shigeru Miyamoto. Ah, could you yeah um it it spawned a series just like wipeout did the f-zero series this one was only on one platform oh i say
0: the f-zero game spawned the series not f-zero
2: x right um this uh the platform is only nintendo 64 and that makes sense because it's a nintendo property yep Uh, this one came out in july 14th 1998 in japan and October twenty sixth, nineteen ninety eight, North America.
0: And no other, uh, no other controller could handle this game, <laughs> right? Except for the Nintendo sixty four controller. Yeah,
2: the Pitchfork of Doom. <laughs> um, it is a racing game, of course, single player and multiplayer. Um, it is a sequel to the original nineteen ninety F Zero game.
1: That's there you it. Drive
0: statistics. Exciting. Yeah. All right, I'm going to let you start this one. All
2: right, F zero. What,
0: what do you see here?
2: So first thing that stands out to me in F zero X is that how wide the tracks are and how many racers you have within these tracks. That like the the one we're showing here has twenty six racers in it all at once.
0: So three times the amount of yep opponents.
2: And the tracks are much wider, and the the, the viewpoint of your vehicle is definitely different than in Wipeout. Um, you're
0: further back. Everything is this track and the world is bigger. Yep.
2: The, the graphics on this. And I did do a little research into this. They strive to make this 60 frames per second and, and they succeeded in almost everything. Now
0: super smooth in,
2: in places where there's a ton of vehicles on the screen. It can slow down a few frames, but for the most part, it is silky smooth, 60, 60 frames per second. Um, if you look at the distance drawing, you do see some fog in the distance, um, but not it's not bad at all. Not, not enough to where it, it um, makes it difficult to drive or obf- obfuscates your view.
0: I, I would even say that when you're driving, you don't notice it, because I'm noticing it now for the first time. And yep. I put, like you said, about three hours into this game.
2: Yep. Now, there were... There were um, there were hills in Wipeout, like hills where you'd fly off ledges and slam slam down on certain areas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but F-Zero X is a roller coaster compared to that. This one has loops. Um, it has wild changes in the track as you're driving. Um, there is there's,
0: a, there's tracks that become, instead of being like tunnels, like mm-hmm. Wipeout, they become like tubes that you're on the outside of, like yep. a cone that you're on the outside of. Yep. Um, they have tracks with no guardrails that you can fly off the edge of.
2: That's right. Um, this game has no projectile weapons, but there there are attacks you can do in this game. You can do two attacks, you can do a They're spin. They're hard to do. <laughs> there, well, I, I wanted to get to that. There is a spin attack and a <laughs> side attack, and I think in the three or four hours I played this, I successfully did two side attacks and zero spin attacks. <laughs> And I read that in the book, I, doing in my research, I read that the spin attacks really are used, which is what's on the screen right now. They're best used for defense. Like when you see someone coming A whole up bunch trying of to hit or, you. Or,
0: okay, yeah, yeah.
2: You spin and then it deflects the attack on you. Otherwise, it has the same similar elements as the futuristic racers we talked about. There are zones you drive through to, to boost up your energy again. This one has an actual boost. Mm-hmm. Where when you fill up your energy bar, you can use that energy bar to use a boost in the game just by using a different button.
0: Keeping in mind that your energy is also your health.
2: That's correct. So you're like using health. It's a shared pool. Yeah. Um. But what I found interesting is you can use boost up the wazoo. Like when you're trying to win the race, but you will eat up your energy. And then if you get attacked or you get hit or touch a wall (laughs) or touch a wall, then you will blow up and die. And I thought that was a very interesting dynamic.
0: And you don't come back when you die. You lose your race over.
2: Yep. Um, One interesting thing this has is like in the beginning, when you start the race, you can pick, you can change the driving dynamics of your vehicle. You can shift it from more maneuverability or acceleration Mm -hmm. uh, by just adjusting a slider. And one thing I really like about that is it's simple. It's a slider. It's
0: simple, but it also becomes a huge part of how you're going to win, if you're going to win the race or not.
2: Exactly. No, it it is important, but what I, you know how some racers that give you options for changing dynamics of your vehicle are like, hey, here's 50 parts of your vehicle and you can upgrade six of these if you have the money. And it's like, you're like wondering, well, does this You know, fuzzy purple retractor bar do anything in my vehicle? I have no idea. See, I actually love
0: that stuff. But I get it. I get it.
2: But but for a game like this, which is a pick-up-and-go game, you know, pick-up-and-race, I like that what you get is a slider. And and there's a trade-off. If you want more maneuverability, because it's a more complex route, you just... Take away from acceleration, which frankly you don't need if if you're trying to boost your maneuverability to get around corners. So I, I thought that was a pretty neat dynamic in this game. Um, and there are like what twenty six different racers or thirty racers you can choose from. So at first there are five, and okay.
0: you can unlock them by beating different series. Okay, so you have to learn to you have to get to the point where you can unlock those other racers, which I love. I love unlockables. Yeah, um, and it's kind of like it really is. Um, futuristic racing high-speed Mario Kart. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's people everywhere. Um, The sense of speed, in my opinion, is insane because there'll be people that are going almost your speed, but then you'll see someone fly by you that's going half your speed. Um, I love parts like this where you're in a tunnel, and to make sure you know which way is down, there's like a a yellow line on the ground. So when you're spinning around like crazy and your camera's spinning all over in the tunnel... You know where down is. Mm -hmm. It's just very good and playable. Um, You actually have lives. You can see the little lives there. So when you're doing a cup of five races, you can only lose so many lives before you're out of the cup. Yep. Uh, What I do like about this also is... Now, the graphics, I would say, are not nearly as interesting as Wipeout. That is correct. They're very simple. Mm -hmm. They're made to be fast and smooth, but they are simple graphics. But what they, I think, made up for is this game has a whole lot more personality because every driver has their own little picture yeah. and name. And even if it's not like skyfire Fo- what's, um, what's the game I'm looking about? Not like Star Sky- Fox? Star Fox. Yeah. Even though, even though you don't hear them like talk to you or anything like that, yeah. necessarily, uh, I think there's a narrator talking to you. Um, you see their little picture and you can kind of get their personality just from the picture. Yeah. And it just adds some charm, some character to the cars, and you kind of care about who you're beating. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, there was p- parts like that. I mean, this game is more about making sure you hit the boost pads, mm-hmm. avoiding um, patches of dirt, which will slow you down, or patches of ice, which will make you slide out of control. Right. Um, depending on how much grip you have your- on your car, you can make tight turns without your car like starting to slide, almost like drifting. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want to drift because it- you go slower that way. Um, and then same thing if you, if you hit L or R. It's different with our pads, but you kind of had to get used to it because you're used to on the actual controller you had Z underneath the right. the middle pitchfork, yep, and R on the other side. But that would be basically your F left and right, um, you know, your hard turn, your air brake, hard turn, yeah. Um, and they did a really good job of uh, the graphics. Don't it doesn't feel as futuristic? It doesn't feel as like you are in this different world as Wipeout. But I found um, the the gameplay much more satisfying. I loved passing five people at a time only to catch up to your rival. There's a rival, right? And he's the guy you have to beat to get extra points. Um, it's quick, it's fast, it's fun. Oh, I was going to say that's the other thing. When you first turn on the game... Sorry, I'm going to kind of go off mic here. Yeah. When you first turn on the game... Where is it? There's all your racers, blah blah. blah. No, nope, not there. There it is. That's what I wanted to see. Boom. Here's all your mode selects. You have your GP race, which is your your Grand, Grand Prix, Grand Prix in your race. campaign yep. mode. You can do time attack, which Eric loves. <laughs> right. Uh, and then you have death race, which is where you just beat up people, which, which
2: is impossible. It's it's <laughs> too difficult. I don't. Need, I, I kind of wish they would just have left that out. I agree. Honest. It
0: was really hard. Yep. And then Versus Battle. And in any of these racing games, I don't ever do any of these modes except for the campaign. Me either. The GP race. Me either. Yep. Um, But the comic book art and stuff for the cutscenes and the um, select mode, I just think it's really cool. Yep. And there's a lot more racetracks. Yeah. And a lot more racers you can be and unlock and then I really love that if you just play through the with a good race, even if it's a good race car or whatever, which has different levels of grip and different levels of top end speed and acceleration, you have that slide bar for for each race. Yeah. And if you set that wrong, like there's some super speedways which is just a big oval. If you put a high, or like really good cornering but not good acceleration, you're going to come in dead last. Yeah. So, you almost have to memorize the track as far as where you're going to set that. Right. And I think that adds a lot of replayability, even though it can kind of be considered a, a you know, a niggling task that you don't want to have to deal with. I think it's cool because you can kind of say, okay, I didn't have quite as much speed as I wanted the last time. Next time I'm going to go up to like 85% top speed. But I don't want to go so far top speed that my acceleration's terrible. Right. And I can't catch up to anybody. It's neat
2: to me. I think the perfect game would have been this game F Zero X with just just the weapons from Wipeout.
0: <laughs> there you go.
2: Like if I had that, it, this would be it. Would be the perfect game. Oh, you like Mario Kart? Yeah, and I do like Mario <laughs> Kart. I love it. So, w'e ready to score this bad boy
0: out of uh ninety eight DeLoreans.
2: That's right, out of ninety eight DeLoreans. Do you want to go first? Six
0: DeLoreans, by the way. Is it 96? Yeah, my math.
2: Was your math wrong? 64. <laughs> we're not good 64 at... 64 and 32. We're not good at the maths.
0: I'm not changing my score. 64 out of 96 was my Yeah, so I'll score. do
2: 82 out of 96. That's fine. <laughs> so, what, what would you go first this time? What would you give F-Zero X?
0: I really like this game. Um, I think I would, it's very comparable to the first F-Zero, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. In that... There's enough there to really hold my attention for a period of time, but it's not mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I want it to be mind blowing, um I, don't, I can't. Maybe weapons is the difference. Maybe I don't know. There's a lot of track variation. There's a lot of things I love about it. The, the feel of speed. Um, I'm gonna give it out of 96.
2: I'll give it an 88. 88. Okay. I think I am going to give this one... I, I mean, God, I enjoyed playing both of these for two different reasons. Like, the mainly the combat they and wipeout. Very, and even the race. Very
0: similar, they were very uh, different. Yep. They felt very different.
2: Like, I love the combat and wipeout and the racing in F-Zero X. And since it's supposed to be a futuristic racer, um, I am going to probably... I'm going to give the Edge to F-Zero X, but not by much. I'm going to give it an 84. So I gave the other one okay. an 82. So like I said, I like each one for its own, its own things. But if I had to compare them, I'd say F-Zero X is probably the better game. Smoother, faster, um, you know... I, it, it, wipeout's good for the combat, really. That's it. I don't. I don't think the racing is all that good. Always felt out of control most of the time, bouncing off of walls. I felt like I was racing more. Than after Eric, your eyes. the
0: combat was the dirt worst.
2: It was not. That I was did another. not
0: enjoy the combat. Wipeout. I liked the combat. I'm glad a lot. you enjoyed it. I did.
2: I liked it a lot. It
0: was basically: is there a straightaway? Cool, I can shoot. If there's not, I'm not going to hit anything.
2: Oh man, I'm shooting left and right. If I'm I grab- even have a shot, I don't even know what that picture is in the top of my screen. <laughs> right, I'm grabbing power ups left and right. <laughs> Like I'm grabbing weapons. I'll sit there, there like, right. oh,
0: I got them lined up. Shoot! Oh wait, nope. I just put a shield up. Cool.
2: <laughs> so it looks like we have a winner, though. We do have a winner. We both agree on the winner. What F0X. It is the best game. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was closer for me. Less close for you. you. I. It amazes me that
0: <clears throat> Wipeout. I mean, I just. I, it's just because I don't get it. Okay, I can admit without it. It's just. It's just me. Because Wipeout. That particular game is considered one of the top PlayStation games mm-hmm. and, like, the top Wipeout, and it's a really highly regarded series, and to this day,
2: I don't... I can't... I don't get it yet. I don't get it. I was hoping I would
0: get it doing this. Yeah.
2: And All I right. don't. I think that th- I was think our that's battle. A, that's a battle. That's nice. And those are fun games, though. I mean, I enjoyed doing these.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it was, oh, it was fun playing it. I don't think I'll go back and play Wipeout, but I've tried multiple times. I'll probably try again. Yeah. And every time I just play for half an hour and just go, eh. Hmm. But know what I do want to do? What do you do? I want to keep playing F-Zero because I want to unlock all the cars. (laughs) But then I want to play F-Zero, excuse me, GX on the GameCube. Yeah. Which is another level more.
2: Right. It's more better. (laughs) More better. I like more better.
0: All right, guys. Well, that is an episode of Pixel Guide In. Yeah. Kept it just under the three-hour mark this time, Eric. Wow. Congratulations! We're keeping it, it tight. right? <sighs> Love it. Uh, next episode, as we said, Tim will be on the show with us. We will have a game show. Yeah. Uh, Eric has it all prepared for us. You know, based around the concept of
2: generations. Generations.
0: <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah. Um, we are going to catch up as we always do, and we have a six-good golf game yeah. segment.
2: That was fun too should
0: be great yep all right eric that's it until uh i want to say next week until two weeks from now Mm -hmm. remember it's it's dangerous dangerous to go go alone thank you again for listening you can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at dubproject. That's D U H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O D D B A 1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.